Scoodly do it's Hotline League episode one seventy. I I can't ever I I alternate now because for the beginning when we used to start Hotline League, for a while it was normal. Then it was I was I would just try to outdo myself on the weird things. Now I'm like just I go back and forth. Um, and, uh, with that one. Yeah. Anyways, Hotline League episode one seventy, uh, brought to you by Alienware and Gamefield. Thank you both of them for sponsoring the show we have three different guests that are going to make appearances on the show tonight i'm overwhelmed already yes uh first my constant uh, and i'll explain how the show is going to work in a second but first my constant co-host mark zimmerman how's it going mark uh good i like most of yours i'm also curious how this show is going to go because i i don't know what's going on right before the start of the stream i ask how the audio is and then everybody's like it's fine and then afterwards i i whatever sorry for everybody headphone users if uh, this was bad no, but I mean, what have you been doing for the past week, Mark? Uh, so I, I started watching a show called The Circle on Netflix. It's not bad. Uh, it's one of those kind of, you know, people vote people out social game kind of things. Um, it was a pretty good one. It's a little cheesy. You have to deal with some, some like awkwardness, but overall the concept's pretty good. I like it. So last, uh, I think, I think I'm not allowed to, to talk too much about what I did last Tuesday, other than to say... Uh, that it was a holiday and I spent it in the evening watching a show called the, the lost Republic of pirates on Netflix. I'm only a couple episodes in, but it is a really weird thing that is simultaneously both a documentary and a drama uh, and like, yeah, they, they look, they took like the dramatization thing that people used to do for documentaries and then they just like cranked it into being like, what if we did that like low budget Game of Thrones, and uh, and that was that was a very good way for me to spend that evening. Is it called Lost Pirate Kingdom? Yeah, Lost Pirate Kingdom. I think is what it is. Yeah, you're right. I was looking it up. I was like, what are you talking about? I can't yes. find it. Uh, like Chernobyl on HBO? No, nothing like Chernobyl on HBO. It's like, what if we did a documentary, uh, and then tried to pretend, and then like they they put like sex scenes in it, which is I don't think something you normally see in a documentary. Um, and they're tamed. It's like they're like PG thirteen sex scenes. But are they also like sex explanations? Like no, they're, they're, yeah, it's not like they have experts that are like. And then they did this uh, position and this. No, it's <laughs> uh, but it is it is very it's very wild. Um, and, uh, um, and it's not good by any means, but it was a very interesting way. Other than that, uh, I did. I've been playing It Takes Two. With Josh uh, is trying to get me on that too as well. It's good. It's good. You should not play with Josh. You should play it with Ashley. Right. That's why I, I mean Josh was playing it with someone, and okay. he was suggesting I play with Ashley as well. Yeah, yeah. So I was streaming that yesterday. People can go check that out. Um, but that's been fun. And then uh, just oh, and then making a shit ton. We were just talking about those beforehand. I've been making a shit ton of TikToks. On my t- people go follow me on TikTok, please. I'm trying to get. A I am followers. depressed that you have put more effort into your TikTok than the BookTok channel or the the BookTube channel. I mean, I've put more effort into it in the past week than the Book channel. And you know what it is? It's because I have not. I addressed this last week, but lately I've just been feeling very like. Well, you said in the uh, the Book channel, you or in on Discord that you in the Book chat that you found a new book. You didn't even say what I it did. was, though. I know the it's book. a secret, um, just- but. I, I no. I've lately I've just been feeling like it's been really difficult for me to want to sit down and make videos for the YouTube channel, and I don't know why. It's not. I'm not like depressed or anything like that. But the TikTok thing 
is nice because I think sometimes when you end in, in like in a creative rut or you just like can't get yourself to where you need to, to go, like creating content that's completely different um, is is helpful. And so the TikTok stuff has been fun because it's been a way for me to sort of reignite my creativity in a very in a very different format. So um, yeah, and they've been getting great reception on on Twitter as well. So I think I'm hoping I can keep doing them. Uh, but yeah. Soulless Husk only driven by numbers. If the book channel was doing better, you'd be doing that. But no, but like every, follow the. There's so few creators money. in the world, I think, who who do not feel encouraged to create more when they see something become, that they've created as popular or is like getting a good reception or whatever. You know. Um. So what are you? You're zoning out, Mark. What are you doing? Uh, zoning out. Is that okay. okay? Uh, well, let me explain how tonight's going to work. So, Well, let me tell you something else I watched. I watched Shadow and Bone this weekend, too. I forgot to mention that. Was, was that good. any good? It was good. I mean, like, uh, you I've know. I've heard the books are not worth reading as an adult, but. I don't know anything about the books. I haven't tried to read them. I tried to read the Six of Crows duology. Couldn't really get into it, which is also kind of tapered in there. But the show itself was pretty good. I feel like they tamed down some of the YA tropey elements and, uh, you know. It was it was pretty good. Nice. Okay. Well, this is cool. Uh, but there you go. we're going to talk about <laughs> what's happening on the show because nothing, virtually nothing, happened in the LCS uh, sphere this past week. Uh, I know we have proving grounds, but if we did a whole show about proving grounds, I think people would not be very interested. So uh, we've got that. Uh, LCS did announce some stuff to this morning that uh, we can talk about a little bit, but basically they. They did like a spring and review thing where they talked about some of their achievements and viewership stuff. Uh, I I would say there's some good stuff. Uh, I think they ignored some, maybe some of the not so great stuff in this, but um, it's not like the spring was awful or anything like that. But I think, I don't know. Um, for instance, I guess the one call out I'll make, for instance, is that they say like, hey, Friday's average minute audience, which I believe is their metric for like, the average amount of people that are watching at any minute increased 70% since the launch of Friday broadcast last summer. Okay, that's great. What was average minute audience like from like summer last year or like, uh, you know, overall last year? So I think they played a little bit with the numbers, but there are some, some good things. They also mentioned in here that during the LC, so one, I got, I woke up to this email that was like, hey, ticket previous ticket holder who's attended the lcs we're not going to have anybody in the studio this summer but uh please take the survey on if on what you might want to do so i guess that's them saying they're not going to do have anybody in for the summer but uh they also said here you'll continue to see the lcs analyst studio in use by our hosts which is what they did during playoffs they had dash there i assume now maybe the huffle tigerson and it says and gradually other analyst shoutcaster teams and eventually fans as local regulations allow. So uh, supposedly they're not going to have anybody in for summer split fans wise, but maybe that means they might try to have some in by playoffs or whatever. But it also means that teams, analysts and shoutcasters are not going to be in studio, at least in the very beginning. So interesting stuff there. We can talk about that. And then one, th and so we're going to have Tim, uh, seven Houston. I believe that's how you say his name. He makes a show for me. I should know. You work with him name. constantly. You don't know how to say his last name. How often do you say the name, last names of people that you work with? I say Travis Gafford all the time. Travis Gafford from Travis Gafford Industries. I say when do you When do you say Travis Gafford? 
like all the time all right anyway everyone you know we're shit talking all the time in the discord channels so right we're just like god travis gaffer's such a little why don't dude. they just say travis i feel like people would know because there's other travises in the world well it doesn't surprise me uh that people are shit talking me mark so i'm i appreciate the candidness um and so we're gonna have tim and kelsey on to talk about uh proving grounds we'll talk a little bit about msi though next week will be like the really big msi episode and then uh one person I've been wanting to have on for a while, but didn't make sense to have on during the middle of the split or when there's like a ton of like big news hitting is uh, somebody named Jordan Sai. I really hope that's how I say his name. Again, somebody I don't know, who's, but uh, he's uh, his he runs Respawn Therapy and he, he works with Cloud9, Evil Geniuses and 100 Thieves. Really cool guy uh, who, who will talk a ton about the healthiness. Uh oh, but, yes. Sorry, Kobe. Kobe just closed my door. We were being too loud. Uh, anyway, so he's going to be on for thirty minutes. Um, in about fifteen minutes from now, we'll have him on. So, uh, but it's going to be cool to talk to him about all the sort of stuff he works on. One time, when Kobe's being a little butt munch about this, you should mute me to stream, and I will scream through your speakers just to piss him off. But I don't want to hurt our viewers' ears. Sound okay. good? Yeah, I'm... you let me know when you're ready for that. Okay. Um, so it's yeah. just it's gonna be a packed episode. We've got multiple guests on. We've got all this cool stuff happening, and I'm I'm happy that we were able to do this in a week. Whenever normally there's maybe not as much stuff to talk about. So, yeah. Don't you jump up here, Mister? There's no room for you up here. There's no room at the end for you. Oh my God! Come here. Come here. Okay. You're gonna knock something over. You're gonna knock a candle over. You're gonna set yourself on fire. Uh, so we do have 15 minutes before we get to that. Uh, is there anything we want to talk about or anything else that I'm forgetting about, Mark, that, that happened this past week besides uh, and the, the riot announcement stuff? And uh, Twitch chat, feel free to help us out if there's anything we're forgetting. Well, I know you didn't want to... I mean, I don't want to get too much into MSI either, but there is some like MSI drama, quote-unquote, going around, like with uh, some of the coaches not being able to make it with their visas. Yes. Um, uh, so Reaper, I guess, won't be able to. Tabe. Tabe from RNG. Um, so I think that's interesting. I, oh, did we, did I forgot. Did we learn why Reaper can't? I mean, why would Reaper go? What? What was the Reaper one? Reaper's so not a co You, he you, you heard me say Reaper, but what I said was Rain Over. Uh, Mark. Okay. <laughs> Cloud9 has a coach that's name name begins with R and is approximately eight characters or so. And uh, that's... that's Racist. Yeah. No, um, I, everybody's going to fucking say that now. <laughs> Whenever... It doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is if they're... They were the coach of Cloud9, and their coach name begins with Travis R. Travis can't say Tim Stevie Houston either, you know, so just let it let him go, Okay. Uh, Travis is a mess all around. Um, uh, as Empire put in chat too, I forgot about this, uh, the solified drama. Yeah. Well, I figured Kelsey's been popping up. I, I think Kelly, Kelsey's been subtweeting about that more today than anything she's ever subtweeted about in her, her career. So I want to give her the chance to, to go ham on that. But if, for those that don't know, uh, solified, which was a amateur team, uh, 
it, it became clear, I think, what, maybe six weeks, eight weeks ago, that they were not paying their players. And the team literally decided not to play in a specific tournament because of that and sort of dropped the org or dropped themselves from the org. And Riot just came out with their competitive ruling today banning the ownership from uh, owning anything because they just weren't they weren't getting paid their salaries i think also not tournament winnings um so it was like that's uh i mean i didn't read too far into it but that seems like what it was as well yes uh yeah i was reading around about it and the the guy who runs it uh in really some like twit longer twit longer trying to explain why it wasn't his fault when in reality it's like this was a it's only your fault there's no one else what it was it's amateur and guess what? It was amateur hour, uh, is the way I would describe it. So, I think the thing that most interests me about this whole thing is Captain Flowers' response to him. Yeah. You know, because that's—I mean, Captain Flowers works for Riot. He doesn't have Riot Captain Flowers in it, you know. But I wonder if anyone—if if anyone at Riot's like, you got to tone that down a little bit. I don't think so because why would it, one Captain Flowers is a freelancer. He's not, you know, he has a, he has a lot of uh, freedom. I mean, I'm all about it, dude. I'd love to, sh- like, Captain Flowers throw shade at people when he feels like also, they like, fucked why, up. Also, like, you know, they, I think Riot probably feels like they could do more to screw over the solified guy, too, uh, or wishes they could besides banning him. And so I'm sure Captain Flowers coming at him is it's not bad. They got snaps. Yeah. Rare Curie, thank you for the prime. Uh, thank you for the 24 months. This guy tried to uh, Badawi. This uh, solified guy, I think, tried to bedowie his situation, being like, no, 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 everyone. It's just an unfortunate set of circumstances. I'm going to be around. And instead, it didn't work this time. I just okay. feel like no, one, no one's ever been as ridiculous as the bedowie things. Okay, people are asking what Captain Flower said. And so I will uh, I'll pull up his tweet. Basically, the solified guy tweeted something where oh yeah, he tweeted the twit longer and flowers just replied and said imagine waking up every morning looking in the mirror and seeing this big of a fucking snake looking back at you shameful um i mean and by the way the the riot ruling said that like it got to a point where the the players on the team were like can you please just pay two of the players some money because i guess two of the players were in like a, a tough financial situation and they didn't even pay it that. So yeah, this guy apparently deserves everything. Uh, everything that he. How dare you besmirch Gon's name with him as your anime Abby? You scumbag. Yeah. You think uh, Gon wouldn't pay his players? You so know who Gon is, but you know. So uh, other than that, uh, maybe we, maybe we can get going a little early. Let me see. Uh, you're struggling to fill this time. Why don't you? Why don't you f- explain how the show works, Mark? For eleven minutes, <laughs> for, while I'm messaging somebody, because maybe we can get them on a little early. Uh, yeah. So for people who don't know, this is a live call and show. Wow, there's actually a fair amount of people in the pub calls and sub calls. I thought today was, was going to be a slow week. I thought I was going to pull like three people and call it a night, but apparently people actually want to talk. Um, if you are one of those people who want to talk. Go ahead and join the Discord, which I'm spamming in Twitch chat right now. Once you get there, it is uh, you're gonna want to join the Pleb Calls or Pleb Calls Two Voice channels. You mute yourself once you get in there. Then in the Pleb Topics text channel up above, you're gonna go and write in whatever it is that you want to talk about this week. Um, we'll probably be able to handle some broader takes, though we do have the guests with specific ones coming on later that are kind of their areas of expertise. Uh, assuming we like your topic, we'll pull you from the Pleb Topics 
the pub calls channel, excuse me, and puts you in the waiting room where you'll hang out until it's your turn to go on. Uh, and by the way, uh, our first guest will be, and he's ready to go in a second, so we'll start a little bit early with him and, and maybe we'll, we'll wrap up early as well, uh, is going to be our physical therapist expert for the LCS. So if people have questions about sort of how he works with the players, stuff like that, I expect some people, you know, as he's talking, as we're kind of interviewing him a little bit, people might have a couple questions and maybe they'll put them in now. So we don't need to be scrambling to fill up the waiting room yet. Um, but we, we will do that. And I get some people are going to probably be like, Hey, this feels a little different than what they talk about normally on hotline league. I think this stuff is really fascinating. I think you might be surprised at how interesting it is too. We obviously spent a lot of time talking about players trying to stay like in a good mental space and like in a good place. We don't oftentimes talk about sort of the physical toll that, uh, this game, uh, tends to do. You know my mom's a physical stuff, therapist. So. What's that? Really? Yep. I did not know that. Well, we could yep. next, maybe next time we'll have her on. Uh, okay. I'm going to go ahead and pull him into the channel and, uh, and then we'll get him set up on Skype as well. So, uh, here we go. Hello, everyone can hear you. Uh, miss, well, should I call, what, what do you want to be referred to on here? Jordan? Uh, I mean, you can call me Jordan, but, okay. uh, I or Jordan either way. I don't okay. Really mind. <laughs> um, so I'll Jordan, I will call you on Skype now and, uh, and if, or I'll just add you to this call with Mark. And then if you can, you can pick up, we'll be good. And then we'll start, uh, sort of talking to you about different stuff. Um, cool. one second. Oh, and just do me one favor, which is when, when I do call you and you answer, just mute Skype so that we don't get audio from you from two different places. Got it. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> call should be going through now. And I'm going to have you join up. Yeah. If you can turn on your camera. All right. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm muted on Skype. Is this good? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Awesome. Um, and we will have you on screen. There we go. Nice hey. card shirt. How's it going? Yeah, thank Very you. Got to support okay. the guys. Okay. NA. Jordan, while I get your name up on screen and everything, do you want to explain, you know, I gave some people, I give the, 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 the show a little bit of a preview on what you do, but you can probably introduce yourself better. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm a, a doctor of physical therapy. I'm an orthopedic clinical specialist. Uh, I've been working in an e professional esports for the last three years. Um, I work primarily with uh, LCS players, so Cloud9, 100 Thieves, Evil Geniuses. But I've also had experience working with players of other games, so Valorant, Fortnite, World of Warcraft, uh, CSGO, um, kind of running the gamut. Uh, so yeah, I've, it's uh, kind of a passion of mine. I've been a gamer my whole life. I knew when I graduated that I wanted to somehow get into esports and very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. That's awesome. Um, uh, I have ahead, a question Mike. off the top from that. Yeah. yeah. Which group of gamers has ruined their wrists the worst? Oh, man. Uh, it, so different games, different issues. So I would say that the majority of wrist issues I see are League of Legends players, and it probably has to do with the fact that they're more wrist movement of the mouse players. Um, when you see a lot of FPS competitive, for, uh, like Fortnite, CSGO, Valorant players, you see a lot more shoulder and uh, neck issues because they tend to play on a different sensitivity. They're doing bigger movements of the entire arm. It's just different levels of strain based on what you actually play. So, uh, what what has it been like working <clears throat> with the the league pros in particular? Because I know you said you've been doing this for a couple of years now. So I assume you yeah. like you get in. I don't know. I don't know if you get in. And you're like, oh my god, what are you guys doing? Or you know <laughs> how, what it was like when you first got in. Uh, it's definitely been a shift. Um, when I first entered, uh, started working with Cloud Nine. 
it was on a very case-by-case basis. And I think this is kind of the norm in esports where player has an issue. They call up their physical therapist. They call someone local to come in and check out the player who, I mean, in, in most cases may not even understand what professional gaming is. Um, and so there's usually, there's a learning period of trying to figure out how do I best help this person? Because you don't know anything about what they do. You don't know anything about the game. And you're also trying to figure out like, is this an injury, et cetera. So one of the things that I wanted to do differently was, you know, I I try to approach players as a player. Um, I play a lot of league myself. I'm terrible, but um, I, you know, I understand some of the mechanical stress that goes on when you play. And I think that firsthand experience helps a lot with understanding what are the potential issues that might come up. Um, So C9 originally, like I said, they brought me in to see a couple players who might've had injuries. Um, And then over the course of that season, it was uh, 2018 when they went to worlds and got through semis. Um, they, I talked to Jack and basically we established that, Hey, maybe it's a good idea to see players preventatively. Let's set up regular visits. Let's try to take care of stuff before it becomes full-blown injuries. Because a lot of the stuff I I like to differentiate strain from injury. You know, a lot of the stuff that they suffer while they play is a repetitive stress type issue. It's not that you'll play a game of solo queue and all of a sudden your wrist just goes out and you're in, you know, nine out of 10 pain. It's more like this accumulation that builds up as you grind hours of scrims, as you grind solo queue. Um, So a lot of the stuff, if you can just nip it in the bud and kind of change some of their habits early on, you can prevent a lot of these issues from becoming more serious. Um, So that's something that we kind of started up and it's been really successful over the last two years is I go in every week, I check in with players. I say, hey, are you having any problems this week? Um, you know, just try to troubleshooting and making sure their ergonomics are set up correctly, making sure they're doing preventative exercise. Um, if someone starts to feel something starting to come on, we can try to diagnose it and kind of give them a guide to alleviate some of those stresses from building up too much. And what, I mean, I know you said like repetitive stress injury, obviously people are very familiar with like carpal tunnel and all that stuff. What are the things that tend to to build up. I mean, you said like the wrist stuff, but how, I mean, what is, what is causing all this? It's literally just them yeah. doing the same movement over and over again. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny you bring up carpal tunnel. Uh, in three years, I've never actually seen a case of carpal tunnel in a professional <laughs> gamer. Uh, it's, it's kind of a industry, you know, buzzword or like hot topic, but, um, and, and other PTs who work in the space that I know would agree. Like there's very, very little carpal tunnel. There's other types of nerve issues, but from what I see, mostly in League of Legends, it's primarily extensor tendon overuse. So the extensor tendon is the muscle that runs on your forearm, down to your fingers, and it's what allows you to click your mouse. So on average, you know, League players might click their mouse thousands of times per game. And if they're playing multiple games a day, you know, that's a lot of click rate. Um, I call it the League of Legends muscle. Generally, every player I see, as soon as I push right here, it, it's really, really sore. So um, one of the issues is that when you take your joints and your tendons and fingers and move them through a fraction of the amount of available range of motion you have, that causes a lot of irritation because it'd be like if I had you do a bicep curl at 10% of your range over and over 10,000 times, your bicep's just not going to feel very good after. Muscles like to go through full range. And, and a lot of times because you're spending eight to 10 hours playing league, you're not ever moving your hand actually through its full range of motion. Um, so a lot of the times, you know, it, it's just simply breaking up habits. Um, I try to encourage them to do certain stretches, certain movements in between games, trying to fit it in with, uh, like, basically, there's already checkpoints when you play League that you can use as a way to um, remind yourself to do certain things. So, you know, every time you're in champ select, you know, after you selected your champion, you set your runes, 
you should be doing a couple easy stretches. You should be doing a couple wrist warm-ups, doing a couple finger exercises. Those 30 seconds, 10 to 30 seconds of activity can a lot of times push your ability to play pain-free hours later versus starting to do it when you already have symptoms. It's already kind of playing catch up and a little bit too late. And, and apologies, by the way, to the <clears throat> podcast listeners who I know can't, where hopefully we'll be able to describe as many things as in, in, in verbal ways as well as physical, because obviously some things we'll have to point out. But um, have there been times in, in league or maybe even these other games where you come in and you're like, somebody's like, oh, I'm experiencing this situation and it's like holding me back from being able to play as much. And it's like, so it's like a disaster situation. You're like, oh, no, yeah. I, I don't know how bad it gets with some of the, these esports athletes. It's it's interesting. I, I haven't called in like emergency a couple times. Like, hey, we have a game tomorrow, and my player just messaged me like, I can't play. Like, what's going on? And, and so a lot of times, you know, I'd say ninety percent of the time when you when you get that message, obviously you freak out. You're like, let's go check it out. Most of the time, it's nothing as serious as they literally cannot play. It, it's it's about okay, well, what did you do, and how can we alleviate your symptoms enough to get you on stage or get you into that that match that you need to play. Um, Again, mechanically, playing one or two games of League of Legends is not crippling, right? It's not going to be so debilitating that you can't play through a little bit, but it's the hours and hours of practice in between that tends to get played. So, a lot, like, for example, one player I saw, it was, uh, I think I caught called in on a Thursday, and they had a playoff game on Sunday, and I told them, you cannot solo queue. I want you to scrim, and I want you to spend your solo queue time doing VOD review. I want you to do other things other than mechanically play, but that way you maximize the actual practice time you have with scrims and you don't waste time uh, or waste your, your body's tolerance for this stuff by playing solo queue. Because I'm sure at that this was a point, ter terrible, like I'm sure they hated hearing that they couldn't no. solo queue. I'm sure that was terrible news yeah. for them. Yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, he was worried that like, hey, I think my hand is broken. I need to go to the ER. And I was like, no, I think this is like a muscle strain. So we were able to take care of it and, you know, calm him down, gave him some stretches, worked on it a little bit. A lot of what I do is also manual therapy. So um, like, you know, basically massaging the muscle, loosening it up, stretching certain joints, um, showing him how to re-facilitate that on his own. Um, icing, you know, it's all the treatment modalities that you would use for typical athletes, right? Like if you see a football player who pulls a hamstring on a field, uh, there's a way that you can get him back into the game, hopefully within the next few days. But uh, it's, a, it's kind of the same thing. A lot of it's symptom management and getting him through a full season. Are you worried at all about, because there's always a ton of discussion around like a lot of these players are practicing or competing six days a week. Sometimes it's seven whenever you really need to get into the grind. Uh, oftentimes they're going, you know, they do a full day of scrims and review and then they have to do solo queue and all that stuff. Do you, do you think there's a world where like these guys are just getting, you know, the season is too long or they're not having a chance to kind of like reset their body physically? Uh, absolutely. If it's not structured well, um, from what I, ex what I see though, the pro scene actually is healthier than the not pro scene. Um, I, I think streamers honestly put their bodies through so much worse than what the pros do. Um, you, you got streamers who are doing 24 hour subathons every other week. Like it's crazy. Like that, that's so hard on your body. Um, I mean, I, I, I started streaming, streaming like four or five hours. You feel drained after like yeah. you're, you're exhausted, you know? And, and I can only imagine what some of these streamers are doing at full time, five, six days a week doing 10 hour streams. I mean, that's brutal. Um, you don't see pros doing that. And, and also most pro teams have the built in, uh, structural benefits of, okay, they have a good 
usually, you know, food is better because they have a chef or whoever, they have someone preparing food. They have practice schedules. So you can't scrim all the way through the afternoon because you, I mean, you have three or four scrim blocks. It's, it's structured. You have VOD reviews in between, you have coaching time. A lot of teams have personal trainers now, so they work out in the mornings. I mean, the overall lifestyle of a pro player, I think is better set up for success, which it should be than a lot of amateur players. So I think a lot of people who go from solo queue environment, maybe top of the, the ranked ladder into pro actually end up playing less league. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because you're not just like yeah. grinding out all the games. Right. I had, um, a, I had a question when you mentioned the, the streamers. You know, is there, do you have any warnings against people spending too long in hot tubs? Is that a concern with which <laughs> meta right now? Yeah, what's the physical actually, here? Yeah, there's actually a condition, and this is not physical therapy, but there's a condition where like, you know, when people are out in the ocean or in the water too long, where too much water will absorb into your body and your skin will break down and they will start bleeding out of their hands and out of their oh feet. My God. So if we haven't seen that yet. I'd... Dear God. Okay. Well, warning to all the hot tub streamers out there, just an FYI. Yeah. Take um, breaks. Definitely I'm take thinking, breaks. I'm thinking, Mark, uh, I, I don't know if you've started pulling a couple calls. Maybe we could take no, one or two for, for uh, Jordan here. But while we're doing that, uh, and again, I apologize to podcast listeners. Jordan, I'm sure will do his best to, to verbally describe this, but yeah. uh, there's some requests on what some good exercises would be for people who are playing legal ladder at the computer a lot. Uh, sure. And if you have any general recommendations. Yeah, so, so the number one, um, I, I always try to stress concepts more than specific exercises. So one concept is if you're playing a lot of video games or if you're on your computer all the time, you tend to be in a forward hunched position with your shoulders kind of forward of your chest, right? Yeah, that's um, that like lean in time to the <laughs> meme on like, take it seriously or whatever, you know, two games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're tryharding, right? Yeah. So um, the exercises that you want to focus on are exercises that reverse those positions. So you want to work on exercises like rows where they pull your shoulder blades back. You want to work on planks because you're getting out of a hip flexed position that you're in when you're sitting. It kind of puts your body, you know, excuse me, into an extended position, strengthens your core, opens your hip flexors up. Um, I always try to focus on exercises that are going to counteract what you do all day. So that, that's a really basic general way to approach it. But um, beyond that, you know, cardiovascular fitness has been shown and researched to be the most beneficial for gamers probably because it, it improves reaction time, it improves brain function, improves memory, pattern recognition, cognitive ability, problem solving, like all of these benefits from doing cardio and everyone hates cardio, but it's literally also, it's not just for your heart, it's also for your brain. And for the people in our chat who don't know what cardio is, uh, because maybe they don't, <laughs> I would they've hope. never been to a gym or, you know, like they got done with PE in high school and that was about it. Do you want to, do you want to explain what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So cardiovascular fitness is oftentimes just people call it, you know, people often use running as synonymous and I don't, I don't think that's true. You can do any form of exercise that you enjoy for a sustained period of time to get your heart rate up and then maintain it for 15 to 20 minutes. That's going to be really helpful. So if you like to weightlift, fine, spend a day where you go really, really light, but do like a circuit of lifts and don't take any breaks. Your car, your cardiovascular health will improve. Like your heart rate will go up and it'll be maintained. Um, that's why CrossFit actually works really well. It, it doesn't require you to run all the time. It just gets your work rate up to a certain point and maintains it for a certain amount of time. And I know, um, I know you've been working more with different streamers and, and personalities, and you actually helped me a little bit with some back pain I had uh, about yeah. about six months ago, uh, so ago, and I was worked out really well. I cool. I think one uh, one thing you and I had talked about at the time is like, oftentimes I think people hear you, like you mentioned earlier, do planks, do these stretches or whatever, 
people are like, oh, you know, they get up and they, they don't want to think about the idea of like getting up and doing these exercises in the morning or, you know, if they're not used to like a gym routine, that doesn't sound that exciting for them. So, but you, you gave me some advice, I think on just how to fit them in easily or what to do that were really light. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to provide any of that for the people who are just like <laughs> listening to this and they're like, oh, I know I should like go to the gym and do all these like yeah. stuff. I don't know if you have anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it'd be hard to give you a full, like quick workout routine right now, but, yeah. um, I would say, you know, if anyone's interested, I have an Instagram, at, it's at respawn therapy. Um, and I do post a lot of exercises on there. I have a lot of easy things that gamers can do to help you know, improve their body function. Um, but generally it's like, you just do easy stuff. Like something I stress with all the pros I work with is I don't want to give you a two hour workout that you have to rigidly adhere to every day. I know it's not realistic. What I try to aim for is small habit changes. I want you to learn a few basic exercises that you can incorporate throughout your day that almost don't even feel like exercises. A lot of this stuff people do kind of on their own, like habitually, like after you play a game of league, a lot of people will just kind of stretch their shoulders back and like stretch their chest. That's great. Do it longer. Um, so yeah, I would say that the easiest ones are probably your wrist stretches, extension and flexion. You're going to either go fingers down and your arm is straight out. You're going to pull on the knuckles to create a stretch on your forearm. And then you're going to flip it. Your fingers are going to go up. You're going to pull on your fingers to create a stretch in the, the, the forearm in the front. Um, moving your back through full range of motion is, is really important. When you sit all day and you're not moving, you start developing stress at the joint level and at the muscle level. So in between games, if you just turn in your chair and twist to either side, you get some good pops, cracks, that all feels good. Um, you can also go forward and back. That's all really easy movement stuff, but it's going to honestly help so much by preserving the, I guess the, uh, preventing the irritation from building up over hours. Like if you think of uh, let's say a typical gaming session of like, let's say six to eight hours, right? If you're a streamer, if you were to break that into six or eight, one hour sessions with like a 30 second break in between, it's going to feel so much different than streaming for five hours and then trying to stretch and then streaming for another three hours. Um, micro breaks are probably the biggest, biggest thing you take away. I remember one of the things that I've been doing ever since you, you told me about it that I really like is uh just this kind of thing where and I, I'm not going to completely describe it. Right. But it's like <laughs> you're, when you're standing, you kind of like pull, like as if you're like tugging from your, your navel, like forward and like kind of arching your back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even having your arms up and kind of like pulling back. That's it's stuff like that. That is, is part of the thing that you've, I know you've, you've talked about that is really cool to me because that's something I'll do like while I'm just chilling, in the kitchen, you know, waiting yep. for something to, to pop up from the toaster or, yeah. or, you know, talking to Kobe or something like that at some point in time. And that, so those little things that you talk about integrating throughout the day is, is cool. Uh, Mark, do you want to uh, pull our first caller? Sure. Let me grab him. Um, so Mark is off grabbing our first caller, by the way, some yeah. shout outs to some subs. Thank you to Trevor Monreal, uh, Tahizi, Power of Ramen, Rurikiri, for the two years, Pilgrim Panda, one year, D9 TV for gifting a sub, <clears throat> Kanoke for the 13 months. Lord Audi is here. Lord Audi, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from uh, Queens, New York. New York. Okay. What do you want to talk about on the show? Calling as a 39-year-old, I just wanted to see how much truth there is to uh, the perception about age and performance when it comes to gaming. Uh, I know that there's some, like, I don't know if it is a misconception or not that, you know, as you get older, you lose reaction time, you get slower, and 
like that, and then I wonder how much validity there is there to that. Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's something that I, this is, I love that you brought this up because this is a hot topic that I am constantly talking about. Um, There is no evidence that gamers or people in general can't play high at high levels past their thirties because uh, what we know about reaction time, and this is done through clinical testing, it does not significantly slow down until after 35, 36. I mean, it, even then, it's it's nominal. Um, the reaction times that they measure, the differences are like something like 10 milliseconds, which if you if you kind of look at that, that the typical human reaction time, no matter what, is about 60 to 70 milliseconds to react to anything. Um, there's almost no way it could be faster than that. If you're under 60, it's basically an anticipatory response, meaning that you're you're almost starting to do something before you actually can react to it. And and that comes with training too. So if you look at purely reaction time, there's no difference. There's no reason why someone can't play into 40. Um, we see it in other sports that are much more physically demanding, like, you know, football, like Tom Brady, right? Just won a Super Bowl at what, 42? That's incredible. And he still has to make the same decisions that he had to make when he was 19 at the same speeds, if not faster, because players are better now than they were 20 years ago. Um, so... I think when you take away the reaction time component, the biggest issue that's probably stopping gamers from getting to their 30s, their 40s professionally is most likely lifestyle because by those time periods, you can't put in the same amount of hours anymore unless you've been dedicating your whole life to this whole thing. And also the there is the physical stress. Uh, many gamers that we see retire prior to 30, it's usually physically related. Right, we've seen a lot of really high-profile players retire very recently um, due to physical issues. And like I was saying earlier, a lot of these issues that gamers have are actually preventable issues. It's not like someone tackled you and you tore your ACL and you're not going to recover. Like these are issues that are building up so slowly over time that better habits can actually prevent a lot of it. So I think in the next ten years, we're going to see some serious gamers past thirty, like thirty-five even, because we already see that Hiko, right, from Hundred Thieves Valorant. He's killing it right now. He's what thirty-one, I think, or yeah. He, he's he's doing amazing. He's still you know playing at a top level for anybody. It's not just like oh he's a pro. He's actually a top level pro. He's he's doing on a, on a really good team, um, and we see it in other games as well. But um, I, I like to point to him specifically because Valorant is definitely a game where if you have bad reflexes or if you're not on point, it shows. Right? It's very very noticeable in that game if you're not playing at a high level. So. Um, I, yeah, I don't think there's any physical reason if gamers take care of their bodies why they can't get to that age group. I mean, sadly, I feel like so many of the other it is those other reasons where it's just like no when you when you turn 25, 26, maybe you don't feel like giving up six or seven days of your week to entirely League of Legends because you're like, hey, I met someone great and uh, <laughs> she or he is somebody I'd like to spend time with outside of the you know off season or something you know yep. many many reasons like that so or i want to go to the rave and i can't because i'm going to be competing well, I think, um Mark, the, the other thing that's interesting about that it was like the lifestyle thing is like there's a lot of uh you know discussion in general about the lifestyle of pros especially in the league scene especially players in china and korea like because mm-hmm. they do a lot of them you know like you'll listen to the the world champion interview like doing uh, a lot of the Samsung white guys when they won, or blue, white, white when they won. Even the blue guys talk the same way. Like a lot of the Korean players will say, like, "Oh yeah, I slept four hours a night, and I would play 
18 hours a day during like my championship run and obviously unhealthy, <laughs> probably unsustainable. Um, and it's just one of those things where the, the payoff versus like the cost and like the longevity of people who do that kind of stuff. Like it, it's something where sadly I haven't really heard too many instances of people winning without some, like some insane schedule like that, which blows so, my mind. I, it scares me yeah. a little. This is a, this is a super interesting topic to me. So uh, on my stream, I, I interview a lot of coaches. I interview a lot of performance professionals in esports. and the big takeaway and the big talking point, I think that we all reach, especially in NA is there has to be a more efficient way to practice. Um, and it's really hard to say that because obviously everyone's like, oh, NA is a joke region. We never make it. But if you, if you look at, you can't use results-based analysis in order to create the future systems, right? If you say that Korean teams always win or LPL teams always win, we need to do what they're doing. That's a very backwards way to approach a problem when in reality, I think the biggest issue is that Riot doesn't give pro players an actual practice system. And I've been talking about this with so many pros and they all agree, like, why can't we get a chrono break game? You know, like, why can't we set up scenarios and actually run a Baron pit 5v4 like 25 times in 10 minutes? Like, why can't we do these things? Because that's what's holding people back, right? Like, you can't play solo, like, it, this would be like the equivalent of an NFL team doing nothing but scrimming another NFL team in the hope <laughs> yeah. that they're going to get better. Like. It's madness. That's not, I mean, everything we know about practicing and everything we know about skill acquisition points towards blocked practice as the most, it's the most useless waste of time, actually, because you're getting randomized variables every single time. How can you practice anything? You can't. Kind of, I, 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 I and just to bring love it back <laughs> Go ahead, from Mark. a medical professional's mouth, because it's yeah. something that I've, I've been passionate about a long time too, where yeah. it's like, you know, I don't like the, the like, you have to just grind scenario after scenario because you can't set up what you actually want to practice, you know, and like, yeah. and Travis, you, yeah. you hope, you hope that you get the champions that you're actually going to play. Like what? Yep. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, and to bring it back to sort of the, the physical therapy side and the physical aspect of it, it's, I'm sure for you, you're like doing the same thing over and over again, physically not great. If you can sort of mix it up, if you can have more targeted practice, then that's going to give you more time to like, you know, let your body rest and reset and get back to a, a good place, I assume, yeah? Um, sort of, yeah. I, I think that, the, for in my opinion, the biggest factor that having, uh, let's say, a, a better practice tool would provide is more than mental burnout. Like, do you really want to play out the first 10 minutes of every game to get to a point in which you can practice team fighting? Like, that, it, it's, it's just tedious, you know? Like... I can only imagine the ADCs who like, if, if every time they restart a game, like, okay, well, I have to farm my first 10 waves again. Like, you know, it's just very, very tedious. And yeah. if, if you're, let's say that your team, if you, if your coaches have identified our biggest problem is around the third dragon or, you know, like it is around mid game. Once we lose that first turret, it's really difficult for us to play cohesively, but you have to play through that whole first early game every time to get to that point to, to actually work on what you want to work on. Um, it makes it very difficult for teams to improve that way because if, if, if you've identified a weakness and you can't specifically work on that weakness, how are you supposed to get better overall? You're going to have to keep getting better generally and then hope that eventually you get into these scenarios enough that you can actually get better at those things. Yeah. I think uh, one thing I saw in Twitch chat, people being like, oh, well, you know, how are you going to beat the Koreans or this, that, and with, mm -hmm. if you're not, you know, if you're waiting for this? Well, I also just take the argument that like this is better for 
the Koreans and Chinese players as well. It's better for the entire pro ecosystem if we're not literally killing our best players every year. You know, yep. like, yep. Hi, like hypothetically, if, if gr perma grinding the game is the way that you get the best at the game right now, well, those people are going to burn out. They're going to hurt themselves. You know, like, like you, you can actually see this happening, right? LPL teams have such crazy turnover in players, but it's and it works for them because they have a player base that's like a thousand times bigger than everyone. So you can afford to burn out your best players because you have another thousand waiting behind them. Um, it's, it's a really ruthless way to approach it. And it's unfortunate for the players, uh, especially if the teams are promoting this kind of mentality. But I, I do think that until NA or EU beats one of these teams in a final, it's going to be really tough to change it because I understand it, you know, from an owner's perspective, from a coach perspective, especially a lot of coaches are, you know, a lot of coaches are imported. So they're coming from a region that that is the standard. They're going to bring that coaching philosophy. They're going to bring that training philosophy. Um, and it's, I'm not saying it's bad. You know, I think there could be better, but until we actually show quantifiable evidence that uh, a system in which players are playing less games, but getting more quality practice and actually wins, it's really going to be difficult to change the environment because nobody wants to be the first team to try something like that and then end up 10th place in a league. Yeah. yeah and I think the, the, the broader point too, for me is like, it should help everyone. Like it's, to, I think a lot of people often, when you talk about like practice tool and some of these mm -hmm. things, it creates like an us versus them mentality. Like mm -hmm. we're trying to change the status quo cause we're losing. It's like, no, we're trying to change the status quo because <laughs> it sucks right now. Well, I, and yeah. it's, it's untenable. I guarantee if Riot released a, a, a perfect practice tool where you could set everything up, you could pick champs, you can level everyone up to whatever state, and then you can just play the game. If they released that, China and Korea would get better because yeah. they would take full advantage of it. They, they would probably try to put the same number of hours in, but they would get even better quality. Well, um, I know... I, I no, it's super fascinating. I'm glad we're having this conversation, but I do know we've got a little bit off of the, the callers, uh, <laughs> point, which often happens. <laughs> I, mean, this, I, I nerd out on this stuff. Right. This stuff is like what I what I'm interested in. But yeah. uh, but Lord Audi, any any quick questions or follow ups? I know we we took well, it on. A I, I really appreciate not kidding my esports streams by by those comments. So. <laughs> uh, and also that I also wanted to note another example is that over the weekend we had uh, Quake finals and one of the, the one that won was a 32 year old that has been playing for 15 years. So there's like it just goes to that argument that even at a, a game that is so quick as Quake, age doesn't that much of an impact. Yeah, but yeah, no, outside sure. of that is just yeah thank you for answering just yeah. reiterating that point oh yeah. I, another point on that topic though too is i i do think if we start seeing players get to that age range you're actually going to see the best players in the world that have never been seen before because who's to say let's say faker stays healthy right and let's say faker continues to improve i mean faker having played league for 15 years is going to be a monster like that, that's just, you know, it's unreal. Like to imagine someone who, and the game hasn't been out long enough for that to happen yet. So um, I think there's so much potential, right? If league is around for 20 years, you're going to see such different players at that point than what you see now. I think a lot of players now are like, oh, I started playing season two, season one. Um, they're, they're coming. The, the problem with league though is obviously the meta changes so much. The game itself changes so much. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say that anyone who played in season two knows anything about what's going on now. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I will say this after seeing what League of Legends has done to Ninja over the couple of months that oh, he's been right. streaming, I don't know if I'm ready to see somebody who's on 15 years of League of Legends. That person, as you said, be might a, be a psychotic. monster, but in a different <laughs> what, sense. What's a bigger concern, the physical health or the mental health? For those guys? Uh, 
honestly, I mean, having played a lot of league over the last three years myself, my mental state playing league is is noticeably different. And <laughs> I, I, I know it's a meme, and it's like it's funny, like a lot, it's a joke online, right? Everyone talks about it, but but literally, if you were if you were to actually have anyone who's played league for more than a year sit down and have an honest conversation about it, it really does take a toll on your mental status when you are losing and your team is flaming you, and like it, it just feels terrible. Just play Wild <laughs> Rift. <laughs> Wild Rift feels so much better. It's shorter games. The team can't flame you because there's virtually no way to type to Keyboard Warrior. It's uh, yeah. I I highly recommend it. Uh, although perhaps some other uh, you know different types of hand or wrist injuries whenever you're yeah. holding a phone like that or a tablet. Sure. Uh, Lord Audi, any shout outs you want to give before we go on to our second caller? Um, shout outs to Gamefield uh, and thank you for taking my call. Thank you so much for thank the you. call. Catch you next time. All right. Uh, Mark's going to gra go grab our, our last caller for Jordan here, and then okay. afterwards we'll have Tim and Kelsey on to talk about uh, Proving Grounds and MSI stuff. Corellas, thank you for the 21 months. Uh, John G365, uh, Raging Pianist, has gifted a sub to Mark. Sally's R for the 19 months, and Indigo Frog, or Fog, Indigo Fog, thank you for the 14 months. Liberia's here. Liberia, where are you calling from? I'm calling from State College, Pennsylvania. State College, Pennsylvania. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so I had a question for Jordan. Uh, sort of what your schedule is like. I think you're in a unique position um, working with at least three teams that I know about. Yeah. Um, How does this interaction like break down at each team? Uh, yeah. How involved are you in daily things that they do? Um, this is a that's a really good question, actually. So this is a an interesting thing because I think I'm one of very few people or therapists doing what I do. Um, and that's why I created Respawn Therapy is that this is kind of a, a new frontier, right? So I actually, I own my own business. I have an outpatient physical therapy practice in Santa Monica that I work at and that was my day job. Um, so last year I was working there 40 hours a week and all the league stuff, all the esports stuff was additional time on my own after work. I would go, I'd get off at like five, drive over to Cloud9 or drive over to EG, wherever I was going work with players till about seven, go home and eat dinner around, you know, seven or 30 or eight. Um, and that was really, really taxing because <laughs> um, I was basically putting in 50 hour weeks at a minimum. Uh, so once COVID hit, um, I shut the clinic down for about a month because we weren't sure what was going on in March. Um, when we reopened and started bringing patients back in, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to double down on esports. This is what I love. This is kind of what I want to keep doing. I cut my own hours. I started working at the clinic you know, 15 to 20 hours a week and double down on time spent either working directly with teams or putting out content or doing, you know, stuff around esports, trying to, you know, build a new avenue. So like streaming, I started doing that in January and the whole purpose was to spread awareness for healthy gaming habits. So um, I'll stream occasional mediocre gameplay, but then, you know, most of my stream is actually interviewing pro players, interviewing coaches, interviewing people about, how to get better at gaming and also um, trying to do consultations with streamers. So I'll bring streamers on and have like live PT consults with them um, to educate them and to educate their audience a little bit. Um, but in terms of team team time, I basically spend, so every team gets a day. Um, so I'll see, you know, this year it changes depending on their schedule, but it usually revolves around LCS schedule. So Wednesday I'll see Cloud9, uh, Tuesday I'll see 100 Thieves, Thursday I'll see EG. Um, so every team, knows that I'll be coming on a certain day. If any players, I usually see their LCS and their academy players. If any of them have issues, they know that's their day to check in. I give them stuff to work on. 
Um, if there's anything that's an outlier, like, hey, someone just had an injury, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make it work. Um, the nice thing is because I do run my own business, I can create my schedule however I want. Um, I try to leave a lot of open space to accommodate for that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, and I think that's really, and I also do privates as well. So I've had gamers reach out to me separately without organization, stuff like that, who just need help. And I'll do a lot of that stuff online or I'll actually go and see them if they're in LA. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely a growing thing. Like I've, I'm probably spending about half of my time doing esports stuff now and half my time seeing patients in my clinic. That's cool. Uh, does that answer your question, Library? Yeah, uh, I think it answers a lot and then uh, makes me super interested in uh, how involved you are in... We, you talked a lot about um, practice schedules. I know that mm -hmm. people that work with teams like mental health coaches have a lot of influence on what practice schedules are like for certain players. Mm -hmm. um, so sort of how much influence do you have over sort of the weekly things that these teams do? Yeah, so this is something I, I personally believe very strongly is that I stay in my lane. Um, I only give suggestions to coaches. I, I work very closely with the people on each of these teams that are in the space that they're in. So I, I work closely with the coaches. I work closely with the mental health specialists, the performance specialists, um, the trainers, if, if they're there. Um, and I try to focus my attention on what are the physical therapy uh impacts and effects that might affect this player so i the only time i've ever told a player not to practice is if it's causing them actual physical pain right i don't tell players to practice differently because oh this is what evidence shows is more effective for learning right although i believe that i'm not going to tell a coach that i'm not going to go out of my lane and say this is the optimal way to practice i i suggest it and i'll have conversations with coaches about it but i the only time i kind of I guess, pull my authority card out and say, this is what you need to do is when it actually affects the health of the player. So a lot of this is about, you know, working as a team. I, I don't try to cover all the bases, right? I'm not going to tell anybody I'm a performance psychologist or anything like that, because I'm not. I, I'm aware of a lot of the research and I'm aware of a lot of the techniques they use, but I'm always going to refer them back to who the actual professional is in that space. I, I, I'll have kind of one follow-up question based off of the, the first question that they asked, which was the schedule. Uh, I don't know how in-depth you feel going into this, but I don't. do you just go in for like an hour and meet with all the players for like 10 minutes each? Or, I mean, what, what does that stuff look like? Yeah, it, it depends. Um, so usually at the beginning of the season, um, I will, or the beginning of the split, I'll go in, I'll do a quick interview with every player just to check in on them, see how they're doing, get a baseline for where we're going to start the split at, identify any potential problems before. So I'm like, hey, this player already has a wrist issue. The split just started. I need to keep an eye on them. Um, and then some people, you know, especially with the turnover, right? When you have trades, I'm also meeting a lot of new players. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> well, you have a constant stream of new people. Yeah. Because the LCS <laughs> is constantly churning players. Yeah. Exactly. So the number one thing I try to focus on uh, my first time meeting a player is getting to know who they are, getting to know their motivations, getting to know what makes them tick. Is this person someone who exercises regularly? Is this someone I'm going to have to convince to exercise? Is this person. Do they already have really bad lifestyle habits? Or are they good? You know, like there's all sorts of stuff that psychologically affects how I'm going to treat them. Um, and then after that, my regular visits, I go in there and usually they'll have a list. So I'll, I work really closely with the management. So, you know, Jonathan from uh, C9, before I go in, I'll shoot him a text. I'm like, hey, I'm going to come by around 530. Um, how many guys you got today? And he'll say, oh, you're going to see four people. And so I'll go in, I'll see those four people. Sessions are anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. 
uh, depending on how detailed of a you know process it's going to be. Um, and actually, the interesting thing is now because so many teams have personal trainers now and they're actually working out, I'm seeing a lot of just regular orthopedic issues. Like, hey, I started running and I have shin splints. Like that's not something you typically hear, but it's super common now because now they're all running. And these are people who haven't run before. So um, I've seen a lot of, you know, knee pain, back pain, all the normal stuff that you'd expect from people starting to get physically fit. Um, but yeah, it, it's variable. And that's kind of the nice thing is that, you know, I'm there's no one to tell me kind of like how to do this differently. So I'm just doing what works best for the players, the, t the orgs and for, for my schedule. But, I just like yeah. the the idea that perhaps seeing all these pro players, it's like seeing a bunch of seventy year olds. You have the same experience, like oh my, did I, back did I say that? Out, my knees are bad. I need. You're, you're like man, your hip might need to get replaced soon. You've been well, sitting so long. The interesting thing is though, culturally, you're like you see that the longer that I've worked with an or a team or an org, the the different like the the more it changes what I see. So in other words, um, let's say Cloud Nine, right? I use them as the example because I've seen them the longest. Year one, I was seeing a lot of really, really basic stuff. Like, oh, my wrist is tight all the time. My neck hurts. Like that kind of stuff, like what you'd expect from gamers. By year two or three, some of the players that I've seen regularly, like, you know, like Blobber, some of those guys, they've been on that team for a while. They don't have those issues anymore. They have different issues now that are, are much more in line with what they're doing differently now. Um, so it's kind of cool because you also see the team culture start to change with you know, like that, like I, I always pull them out, but if you take Cloud9's LCS roster and you have them go in a, a probably a powerlifting competition against any other LCS roster and, and, and I, I, I think they would win. Like they honestly have really good form when they lift and it's, you know, a credit to uh, their trainer, Mike, and um, the fact that they literally have to work out every morning. Like Jack will make those guys get up at like, I think it's like 9 a.m. and they have to do a one hour team workout every morning. Yeah. Um, and it's just um, interesting culturally that that's different than a lot of teams. I, I like that Portillo's in chat right now because I want to pressure him into making <laughs> content around this. Like, I want to see C9 put out a powerlifting video that like puts up everyone's totals and challenges all the other teams <laughs> to, to try and beat their their personal best and stuff. That that Twitch powerlifting contest that Tyler one did was awesome. oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's such titles, a good yeah. idea. Such a good idea. Well, I think we're uh, we're running a little low on time. So, Liberi, thanks yeah. so much. Is there anything you want to shout out? Uh, before we say goodbye, uh, shout out to Twitch TV slash respawn underscore therapy. It's criminal that this guy only has about 300 followers. Everyone in chat, go give him a follow. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, more callers like this, Travis. Uh, more, uh, not callers. Guests, guests like this? Guests like this, yeah. yeah. More callers like this, too. Thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. Have a good one. All right, thanks. Um, cool. Well, I think. Uh, I think that might be it. Uh, obviously, I know you mentioned your your Instagram. You said that you stream. So where where can people find you? Yeah. So on Instagram is at Respawn Therapy, and then uh, my Twitch is twitch.tv at uh, twitch.tv slash respawn underscore therapy. I'm trying to get the actual name. Someday that guy's gonna just like I don't know go dead, and <laughs> I can actually take the name. But um, yeah, so that, <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. No. Now that you've said it that way, if something happens mysteriously to him, I think we'll know who caused it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I check. I check every couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, I like I said, I, I do a lot of interviews with industry professionals, pro players, anyone, you know, streamers. So if you want to check it out, uh, I do a lot of content like this, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, 
Cool. Thanks for having me on, Travis and Mark. Really appreciate your guys' time, and it was fun being on the show with you. Yeah, no, thank you for doing this because I think it's it's been really cool, and I know Mark and I had talked about this a couple months ago, so I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, I know I saw your tweet today. I'm really sad that LCS will not have audiences, but eventually we will all hopefully see each other in person at some some events. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, cool. Thanks again, and uh, yeah, we'll make sure that your your Twitch gets linked. I saw I saw somebody link it, but we have links turned off, so I'll do it myself. Uh, thanks again, Thank though, man. Yeah, all have right. a good have one. A good, yeah, take care. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, so, hello, everyone. Uh, thanks again to Jordan for coming on. Hopefully, I, I this is the type of call or the type of content that I do where I know that like. When you say, oh, yeah, we're going to talk to a physical therapist, people are like, what? But then whenever we get people on or we get them on, everybody in the chat is like, well, this is actually really interesting. And that's fun. And that's that's what it was, is I had a conversation with him a while ago and we were talking about a lot of the stuff. And I'm like, this is the type of stuff where like people will see it and then they will end up enjoying it. Mark, uh, while I'm setting up for our next call, I don't know if you had any thoughts on on Jordan or or any of the stuff you oh, I liked <clears throat> I like the topic I was I was gonna ask him I don't know if he would answer this because might not be professional but I was gonna ask who has had like the worst habits of any player that he worked with whether that's like sitting form or like how they held the mouse like something like that I was yeah we had had more time I that's what I was gonna do is is like gamers are known for their like strange sitting postures you know like people that the game, like shot, the, the yeah. old picture of Hotshot GG where he's like gaming with his knees up in front of him and stuff like that. I was going to ask him what it's like going through, you know, seeing all these people and Dude, their interesting face. Situ situations. <laughs> what do you say? Look at my cat's face when I, when I oh, he, he had enough of it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's lovely. Um, okay. Uh, uh, uh. uh. Let me see if we are good. I think we should be good. I'm gonna save this and then we'll go ahead and call, bring them both on. Uh, you know what the other thing that was, was funny was the coming back to the whole uh, practice tool thing, which was like the first interview I think you and I really did together that. that yes. Up. Yeah, we did that back in, um, way back in the day, like 2015 five, or something like that. Yeah. Because we were at the bar when we did it. That bar we used to go to every after every weekend. Where I think where we talked about it, but it's not that like we did the interview there. You're saying did we not do the interview there too? No, we did the interview in. Um, where should I put? I have this is the first time I've had all these guests on. Um, need to figure out where to put the logo. Uh, no, we did it in the LCS studio, but I think maybe we talked about it there. Also, why is double lift showing up there? That shouldn't be double lift. Um, sorry, everybody who's seeing double lift and thinking it's him. Can we? Can we? I mean, no offense to Tim, but did we just upgrade? <laughs> We <laughs> that would be a downgrade. What are you talking about? Oh my bad. Peter doesn't host a uh, an amazing show. Um, okay, now it should say. I think it says double it from when we did episode one hundred. Uh, okay, so Kelsey and Tim need to join Discord so that we can get them on. Where are they? Hello, Kelsey, Tim. Um, ba 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 ba. How, what else, what else is going on, Mark? Fill, fill for me really quickly. Uh, I don't need to because Kelsey's here. Oh, good. Uh, we're working on getting, uh, Tim. Oh, there's Tim. Okay, cool. She's muted though. I think she doesn't want to. Okay, she's cool. She's in, yeah, he's in the waiting room. Oh, nice. everyone, the gang's all here. Uh, okay. Both of you guys are here. I'm going to add both of you guys to the Skype call.
so I'm here, but can you hear? Yes. Yes, sir. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yay, indeed. And that, and you guys will finally be able to talk about proving grounds, which is uh, what I've been incessantly bothered to talk about for forever. Um, you guys should be getting calls right now. If you can just mute on Skype whenever you join, so that we don't get you twice. Uh, there's Kelsey. I'm secretly hoping Tim has his the score hoodie on, so we will be randomly, you know, coordinated. Like, oh, did you, get, did you guys both work together at the score? I guess that's true, huh? No, yeah. we did not. Wait, uh, Kelsey, you didn't end up at the score. You were. We did a little bit. We overlapped uh, briefly. Very briefly. Okay. I okay. was. I was. I was on the inaugural the score. Thing. God, this is. All these people starting all these esports media sites, you know, I... I mean, you I literally po poached me from the score, Travis. I'm just saying. Yeah, but, like, I literally can't remember anybody who was at the score. <laughs> like, all these, like, you know, best of luck to everybody starting these esports media sites right now. But, like, my God, is esports just littered with... There might be more dead esports oh, yeah. media sites than there are esports organizations, quite frankly. <laughs> um... Anywho, welcome to the second half of the show where we've got Kelsey Moser and Tim Se Seven Houston. Did I say Seven it right? Houston. Okay, I did it right. Um, Seven Houston. Seven Houston. Seven Houston. Uh, Seven Houston's. Kelsey, why don't Seven you? Houston. I'm going to let you guys both introduce yourselves just to see how you do it. Kelsey, what what do you do? Um, I am Kelsey Moser. I am the competitive and collegiate development lead for Evil Geniuses. I can have a fun title like that, and no one really knows what it means. So it's great. I love it. And uh, formerly of 100 Thieves, formerly of Yahoo Esports, formerly of so many things. Yes. Uh, and uh, as so many of us in esports have been formerly of so many places. Uh, how about you, Tim? Yeah, so I uh, I run Oracle's Elixir.com uh, stats and, and content site, uh, and I also create Run It for the Travis Gafford Industries YouTube channel, uh, and do some other content and things like that. The most important thing you do, uh, obviously, <laughs> is is Run It every week. Very good. Well, bo both children, both you guys are are involved in the proving grounds world, and so I'm happy to have you both on to talk about it. What happened in proving grounds? What's the story? Either one. I'm going to let Kelsey talk about it because Mark might be getting some popping from me and I'm going to fiddle with it. Okay. Norg uh, won. And uh, yeah, that that was fun. That was fun. So let me ask you, mm -hmm. Kelsey. So yeah. who was on Norg? <laughs> so Norg's roster is Viper Anda. Wow. I worked with him and I still say Anda sometimes. Uh, Viper Anda, Five Fire, Value, and Big. Okay. How many of those players were formerly LCS players? Three. Okay. So this is my question. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if it feels good that an amateur team that had three former LCS pros won this. Uh, and this is, I think some people are going to take this as like an interrogation or like a verdict on me trying to, to say something. I, I ask it honestly because I think that's, there were a lot of these moments of like, wow, this amateur team beat this academy team and like people celebrating this stuff. It's hard for me whenever I'm like, okay, this is a belt around trying to find new talent. 
And what we found is if you stick three former LCS pros on mm -hmm. or without an organization and just toss them into the mix, they they'll percolate up to, you know up to the top. So yeah, so I think that this is a really interesting topic, and I see so many terrible takes about this in general, like just awful ones. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a great place to start. Um, my if you look at the opposite team as well, like Cloud9 Academy that was also in the final. They had uh, Darshan, Shurnfire, Copy, Isles, King, King yeah. right? And then all of these, like most of these players have, have not only been in LCS, but but Worlds, you know? Like they're, they're LCS players and they're Worlds players on this roster, technically. So this is, this is a question where people are wondering, you know, like what does this say about the development space? I think there are a lot of things that you can touch on here. The first one to me is that our solo queue Bayless line is trash. So a lot of uh, what is required to kind of level up as a player is is like almost kind of based on your ability to visualize certain elements better than others and to kind of get better quality practice. Um, also, I would say that the coaching space in Amateur and Academy is, is also still very much developing. Um, in terms of uh, the overall level. So, of course, there is a very obvious experience advantage in terms of team play, matchup understanding, all of these different factors that comes from having had previous LCS experience doesn't necessarily say that there is no NA talent. And I would say one of the biggest problems with scouting in general is how results-based it is. Uh, so that is one of my, my biggest kind of sandboxes on this is just does the best or does the team that win pro wins Proving Grounds or Academy have good players on it? Yes. Are those the only good players in Proving Grounds and Academy? No. Do you have to have, you know, the best player in every role to win Academy or Amateur? Can you be a talented player who isn't good on things like uh, resets, tempo, timers, uh, vocalization, understanding matchups. Can you be a good player without having these factors? Yeah, but you kind of need to learn those to start winning. You can have like an innate talent and you can be very skilled and say, what I say is like have good hands, you know, be able to think about fights quickly or be able to, you know, think on the fly about a bunch of different factors, a bunch of different variables and process that well. Uh, be very talented, be very willing to to have like a certain amount of trigger pull, and then not understand a lot of these other factors. Whereas having previous LCX experience will give you a much better baseline and a knowledge and understanding. Does that mean we have no talent in NA? No, it just means that there's a lot of different, those types of variables that we have to talk about before we can kind of assess and understand the scouting platform. I think like to, to pick up on a certain piece of that, um, you know, I, I think there tends to be a lot of focus on whoever wins the event, whoever wins Academy, whoever wins Proving Grounds now that it is that. And, you know, whichever org wins that has the best talent pipeline, which is not the case. That's not true. There are some of the most interesting players uh, in the Academy and Amateurs ecosystem are players that their teams didn't even qualify for Proving Grounds. There are some players who didn't even play in the event who are like, no, no, pay attention to those guys because we're going to be seeing more from them. And so, you know, there, there might be a much more exciting talent development story to tell from a team that finished seventh or fifth or, you know, I, I'm trying not to remember, or trying to remember the exact rankings and not specifically calling anybody out, but like, it's not just about the two teams in the finals and who's on those teams, even though there are some really good stories to tell there. 
So I, by the way, I know uh, we're getting some popping from Tim's uh, microphone, so we're working on yeah. them. Uh, on he's that. just he's just popping off, Travis. Yeah, it's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. No, but we I mean, I I appreciate I appreciate this from both of you guys because I think it's uh it's it's good to hear. I mean, for me, like I get frustrated because when I hear like, oh, this team is doing so, you know, there is, I, I frequently hear people talk about a, a team beating another team as if it's this huge, uh, awesome deal. And I so frequently feel as though, you know, that's actually, we should spend less time looking at who won and who lost in these things and, and try to actually figure out what, what players are exciting. So I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are kind of pointing that out. Um, okay. So that's what happened in Proving Grounds. I'm sure people will have some calls versus, you know, where we can talk about the stuff. We can try to figure it out. Um, if people have takes on it or questions for either of them having covered it. Uh, but also we have MSI coming up. I know both of these uh, wonderful folks care passionately about how things are going to unfold at this year's first international event. Uh, so we, we can take some questions about that um, and anything else. Uh, but I think we have about an hour with a little bit of, a little bit of extra time. So, uh, Mark, have you started to pull? Looks like you've started to pull some collars. So yep, I'm starting to get them. some. So I'll go grab one. Yeah. Um, you can you can disconnect and reconnect if you need to, Tim, uh, to to fix it. Yeah. I can pull you back in. I'll, I'll try. It. it might fix it for like five to ten minutes, and maybe that's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give you. Uh, I think you can rejoin this channel on your own. But if if not, um, just join one of the other rooms, and we'll we'll get you back in. Sure. Um. Reading out some subs. Thank you to 1997 Quiblo, Red Rain, Final Fantasy fourteen for the one year. Red Rain, it's good to see you. Uh, and Purple Ray Q for the 31 months. All right, our first caller is here. It's Rick. Rick, where are you calling from? St. Louis. St. Louis. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Um, basically, my take is that Noorg kind of proves that the Reddit, Twitch complaining community about NA doesn't really know how to make NA great. And, and well, how does it prove it? I'm curious. Well, because I think that this consensus is that people are always saying that orgs need to like create better talent and all this stuff. But I don't think that the orgs are really responsible for creating talent. I think that the talent is just out, out there. And unfortunately, NA doesn't have a lot of it. And that's why this team that you know was former LCS players won because that's some of our best players that we have and if an org made an academy team with like big and viper i can just see that the comments now would be like these wash up LCS players already got their shot they don't need to be in academy anymore but like they they are some of our best players and that's just the talent pool that NA has right now. Oh, okay. So you're saying like, okay, them winning shows that yeah. we, are you suggesting it shows that we have a, t a shallow talent pool? Cause maybe, you know, yeah, other they, players are not winning. Like the orgs are doing everything they can. They, they've found the best players. Our best players just aren't, you know, best in the world. Our best. So you're, you're saying like and our best players just... outside of the LCS are players like Viper and Big. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Our best players outside the LCS are other former Oh, okay. Okay. So I kind of get this because yeah, there's oftentimes, as you said, people on Reddit are like, we're tired of seeing all these former LCS players. You know, there's really great talent that's sitting down there and you're saying, well, okay. If that really great talent is so good, 
they should be able to overcome three LCS players that literally do not have an organization behind them or any kind of support. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. So I think I think one one issue that I have with this, and hopefully my audio is a little better now. Yeah. One issue better. that I have with this is that the team with the five strongest individual players does not necessarily always win. Right. Uh, you can win academy or or proving grounds or whatever it's going to be without having the best individual players, just like you can at any other level. Uh, and so again, like this, when the team that wins is not necessarily the team that has the talent that is most interesting. And add on to the fact that the quality of, uh, that a player or a team is competing at right now might not m say nearly as much about how good they could be 18 months from now once they've had you know more time in the system, more time with the right coaches, time to develop the experience and be in these different situations and all those kinds of things. And that's going to help, you know, like. As excited or interested as I am in the story of Five Fire and where, you know, he might be able to go and hopefully he gets moved up and out, have a chance, you know, him as an example from no org. There are players further down the chain, you know, can be in Tenacity on 100 Thieves Academy, uh, Jojo Pion and Evil Geniuses Academy. I could list a whole lot of other players that I'm interested in. Um, and those aren't the ones who are either on a team that allows them to win or uh, are, you know, as stable that they're that they need to learn how to be more consistent so their their you know low games don't knock them out of a tournament stuff like that all all these kinds of other things um, that play into that so so I don't think again it doesn't come down to just winning a tournament shows that you are the best player with the highest potential in the future I think there's there's a lot more to that kind of topic I I have one kind of pushback on that Tim though because I know we were just talking I mean I literally just said the individual player side but like hmm. one of the things that I think is somewhat distressing about no org winning is literally in their name. Uh, I mean, yeah, to well. to I I'd almost kind of push back to on the on the caller point by saying if orgs are doing as much as they can, why are they being beaten by teams that have no backing? Right, like these guys did this all on their own. I know I know they had some coaches that were working with them or whatever, right? But like, it, it's like you would you would hope that. If EG is super dedicated to building out this amazing talent pipeline, has these two teams that are great and compete against each other, or you know, if you got like Papa Smithy out there like figuring out how to build out this hundred thieves thing, you would hope that over the course of you know the the first four months of this year, they would be able to develop a team that could beat these five guys that are like fuck the system. Um, so, and so, yeah. So Travis. Do you think the goal of an academy team should be to win Proving Grounds? Do you no, think that that's no and that's what I was talking about earlier. Um, so I, I, I kind of see it, you know, I'm kind of coming at it so, from both directions. I get it. But I, but mean, I guess that... If we, if we look at you, Masters, for example, right? Which And there's been a lot of debate and a lot of discussion um, on the EU side about whether or not academy teams should even be required. And part of the thing here that we should that we should kind of look at and observe is that the the goal of organizations that aren't academy teams or aren't connected to academy team in EU Masters and this is easier to talk about is to win EU Masters, right? Like yeah. that's that's a the goal of no work is to win proving grounds. Um, it isn't necessarily, and obviously part of that is, is and it, this gets a little gray area because you have the introduction of the development fee. So if I'm a wildcard or uh, some other organization like that, then maybe my goal isn't to win proving grounds, it's to get players noticed by LCS orgs. But to be extremely jaded about this, the history of like scouting in, in North America is very results-based. 
So probably the best way to get a development fee is to raise a team that will win, win. <laughs> uh, proving grounds. Um, so the so in general, the it all comes back to it's like what are the goals of these organizations? Are they very different? You might be specifically focused on teaching a player a type of skill or a type of X, Y, and Z that doesn't necessarily guarantee that you win. Like we had questions about this a lot. It's like, do we want to, you know, push this? champool issue or do we want to push this like specific skill um and focus that um or do we want to like focus on what they have right now because it's, it's under the wire improving grounds you know uh, these types of, of conversations that end up bringing up the other thing is um are lcs orgs doing all that they can i would say no um mm-hmm. definitely not uh to to develop players i think that that's a ridiculous statement because there's there's a lot that still needs to be done. I mean, for for one thing, you know, the 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 coaching attributed to you know the amateur and academy level is usually um, rookie coaches or coaches who uh, aren't necessarily like super experienced and maybe they, they they do the best they can or or anything. But the a lot of times their goal is to get promoted to LCS and being put on the academy team is oftentimes seen as you know, being demoted or you're bad at your job or where I would say you need like head coaching skills. You need the ability to teach um, more specific aspects of the game to coach academy, right? Than you do to be an LCS org. So it's just a different skill set for me, but it's still definitely perceived as, you know, the worst coaches are sent to academy, the worst coaches are sent to amateur. Uh, So there's not like the best development resources are not being sent to these, to to these teams. For sure. If if uh, if the goal of a lot of the teams competing in proving grounds is not to win, mm-hmm. why should we talk about who won? Exactly. <laughs> you, okay, you, he's almost there. He's he's got it. Because so this goes it. back to this goes back to my conversation weeks ago that I got I I had to. I had to pay a, a basically a fine, which was my compensation to Tim and Barry to make a video <laughs> highlighting some of the upcoming talent in Academy and Amateur because I was like, we shouldn't care about viewership on these tournaments. And then all these people came out and said how distressing it was and how I was ruining Academy and Amateur and all yep. that stuff. And here we are. With- I, 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 still, you're, you're- I still love watching Proving Grounds. I still love this player storylines. I still love hi- highlighting what players are doing well, but I think a lot of coverage can be focused specifically on who are the individual players who are popping up? Yeah. Who looks really good? Like yeah. your video that you did with Tim is a great example. And I'm not just saying that because I love all of those players. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, in general, it's uh, it's like this is the kind of stuff that you're talking about. But I, w- I would like content like that to be a little bit more specific. It's like, what's a profile of this player that would make him good for uh, a team? You know, is he good at this type of skill? Is he good at that type of skill? Because that would also help to me, like the, the roster building quality and things like that. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that there's a bit of a distinction here that it's not that talking with the winners isn't important. It's talking only about the winners is not the right approach. You should and talk again, about, yeah, all the interesting players and all the, all the exciting players. And I don't want to take away from Noor because it sounds like yeah. we're saying, yeah, Noor is all full of shit players and they just know more about the game and that's why they won. But because they're definitely like good players on, on that team, right? Yeah. Like I think Five Fire is has, has demonstrated that he is definitely an academy level mid. Um and uh is consistently he's probably one of the smartest players I've ever worked with. 
Um, and you have a Viper who, like, I think he had some issues with like stage fright or, or stage performance before. And I think having played so many games, you know, he's he's actually taking a lot more initiative. He's he's demonstrating a lot more confidence in his play. So that's that's kind of the um, the and then of course, like, I think Big's timers have always been really consistent. Uh, things like that. Uh, yeah. And, and then value has 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 played like consistently well, but I wouldn't say that these are like the best players in every single role. But they're they're not bad by any means either. But big big and value put out their best performances in the finals when the most people were watching. So good for them. I think uh, um, Mark, you were gonna say? Yeah, I was. Well, I was gonna say a couple of things, but I think uh, the point about not winning being like the focus, not like you can't celebrate it or anything like that, is is a big part. Um, and as well, I mean, the, the caller's topic can, can like lead into a lot of different avenues of the conversation, whether we're talking about like, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, that the teams with all this infrastructure won, but then you can get into like, well, how much infrastructure do you really get for some of these teams? Uh, you know, I mean, like C9 is probably actually one of the better orgs you could say, but like, just because you're under TSM or, uh, I mean, TL actually had a fair amount, um, but like, you're not necessarily getting all the resources that the main roster of the LCS team is getting just because they have the same branding. Doesn't mean like you're really that closely associated with that team or anything like that. Um, and so, while it's still probably more than some of the amateur teams got, it's not like you know, to Kelsey's point, you're working with Rainover and uh, Reaper and you know all the all the coaches that you respect a lot. Um, and so, I, I think I like. Proven grounds that it was an opportunity to see these players go up against each other with different environments, different goals. Like you're saying, like Hanser's on TSM Academy. What's his goal? Be a backup in case Huni explodes, right? Like he, his his existence in the academy system is almost completely separate from player development. Um, even though he is playing with players that are trying to develop on his own team, you know. So like, I, I think the whole ecosystem is very muddy, and you can't. Like, if you try and paint it with just one brush, you're going to get really yeah. fucking weird analysis where it's like, well, this one player's goal is different than this other player's on his own team. Yeah. So uh, one thing I, I wanted to riff off of this stuff, too, because uh, Caller, are you, are you still here, friend? <laughs> yeah, Rick? I'm here. So one of the things you said, Rick, is like you were talking about if LCS teams do enough or whatever. Here, One thing I'm a little concerned about is that I have heard, so, so it was reported earlier this week uh, by Bloop, uh, who is who's a, somebody who covers a lot of the LEC stuff, that supposedly LEC teams won't be required to have an academy team in 2022. What I have heard is that there is concern that if that now LCS teams, because not all of them have wanted to have academy teams, will leverage this decision to say, hey, Riot, you can't force us to have them. If you're, if you're not going to force LEC teams to have them, you're not going to force... LCS teams to have it now. Obviously, this is speculative. I can't. I, I've not heard anything of this being like, you know, officially said to Riot yet. But but the fact that this is like a, a, a concern among people behind the scenes reflects what has been in the past a, a feeling that some LCS teams are like, yeah, fine. Here's our academy team. Like, I guess we have to do this contractually. Um, and so I think that's a concern. I actually, Kelsey and Tim, I don't know if you've heard anything about that stuff or if you have any concerns about it. So yeah. really, I'll let Tim go. Tim go well, I was just gonna say, like, if you're if you're gonna try to draw parallels between the two ecosystems, you got to be really careful there because if you get rid of all, if you say you take every LEC Academy team out of that ecosystem, you've still got Movie Star Riders and K Corp and 
all these other orgs that are existing because they actually have leagues to play in and exist as businesses. You take away Academy from NA and you've got, what, a couple of orgs that had competitive rulings against them, a couple of, like, one from Europe that actually has a has a North American amateur team because they can. Like, the, the actual existence of orgs as businesses is hardly here and definitely not on anywhere comparable scale. Um, so you can't just like take that layer because that layer is suddenly gone. And in Europe, you can take that, you can take those teams out and the, that layer of competition still thrives. Yeah. Yep. I think the, the, that's, uh, that's a very concise way to talk about it too, but I think this is like a really good, good topic just because, um, when we're looking at the, the history of kind of EU masters winners, there are actually a lot of teams that are not academy teams, right? So if you're applying the same kind of logic, that's partly because, again, we, we talked about the point, like what's the goal of an EU Masters team that isn't attached to an org versus the goal of uh, an EU Masters team that is attached to an org. And I think a lot of it was was weird because the difference was is that that ecosystem already existed before Riot came and said, okay, now you have to have an academy team, whereas I felt like um, part of the, the the benefit of having academy teams was that the the amateur ecosystem kind of gets a little bit, um, I would say, slighted by removing challenger series in in yeah. NA, and there wasn't a, a great you know a huge monstrous system built out. It wasn't sustainable on its own. It's still not sustainable on its own, um, and you know part of the reason why. 100 Thieves Next was so exciting is because it actually was something that got people to watch amateur, you know, um, when they when they when they wouldn't have before. So that's that's a, a little bit of a, a different thing there. I think it would be I think one point that's very good is that it is necessary to have like these these amateur orgs that aren't affiliated with LCS orgs to kind of try to develop and, and go for talent. But I also think um, because there will be a lot of talent that's, that's kind of, I want to say, almost a little bit rare, or in, in some, some regards from certain people's analysis, like, there will be the guy that's coming up and then everyone is talking about him, you know, um, and then a lot of people will fight for him. So being able to kind of look for those players earlier is useful also because of what I've talked about before with the, the uh, solo queue baseline being so bad. <laughs> Um, in NA, I think getting LCS orgs and infrastructure to, to spend more time with these players earlier on and, and get them kind of like a long, longer period to develop is, is also beneficial uh, before they're kind of in academy and then thrown out after two years or and decided that they're, they're done uh, developing, even though they had a coach who said, go watch VODs, uh, figure out what you can do from there. So I think that that's a... <laughs> It's a very, very interesting question because I would say that a lot of times EU master or EU academy teams actually end up just kind of, especially because of how obsessed a lot of LAC teams are with with rookie talent because rookie talent is cheap. So a lot of LAC academy teams almost are perceived as threats, you know, to the LAC teams. Whereas in NA, that's definitely not the case. You know, I would say for the most part. Uh, well. I, I know we, we went kind of broad reaching here, Rick, on your answer, um, but what do you think really quickly before we... Uh... Um, yeah, there's a lot of good input. Um, I think the, the main question I would have for Kelsey, who definitely knows mm -hmm. the most about this topic, um, would be, 
when you talk about NA solo QB being so bad, um, yeah. and you talk about that teams can do a lot more to put uh, resources into players and get better coaching and stuff, my question <laughs> would be, w would it be better to put those resources into NA players, or would it be better to, like, the best NA jungler versus the 10th best Korean Lee Sin one trick? I, I, like, who, who is better to put the resources in? Or... So I know. It, so it was, signing like a EU Masters. So your question is yeah. definitely definitely taking us into a different direction. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I don't know if you have a short answer to that, Kelsey, that you can say. Uh, I I think that if we don't develop players in our own ecosystem, our ecosystem keeps getting worse. And we bring a the tenth place Korean Lee Sin one trick over, and he plays NA solo queue and gets worse. So kind of and, and I also think that history has shown that the way to build a winning LCS roster is not to get the best imports. The way to build a winning LCS roster is to get the strongest domestic core and add the right imports on top. So really, invest in the domestic talent. Really good way of putting oh, yeah. it. Uh, Rick, thank you so much. Any shout outs you want to say before we take a quick break? Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, thank you so much, Rick. Have a good one. You too. I realized that we, are, uh, we slipped past my normal break time for the first ad slot. So we're gonna do two, uh, not right, not back to back, but we'll we'll hit the game fill one after the next caller, the next two. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out to Alienware. So first off, they got some cool stuff coming. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but I've been teased on some stuff, and I think it's gonna be really cool. So stay tuned uh, for for that over the next. Uh, actually, I don't know if I can say a time frame. Over the next time. Stay tuned for some cool stuff that they're coming out with. Secondly, one thing I haven't really done a good job of, of promoting before is, again, if you go to alienware.com slash Travis, please, whatever you're doing, drop whatever you're doing, alt-tab, out of your game, uh, whatever you if you've got this on a second screen, like, drop whatever you're doing, go to alienware.com slash Travis and scroll down to the bottom of that page where it says, uh, Alienware Arena, get rewarded for doing what you love. This is a, a completely free thing you can sign up for, and there's a ton of cool stuff that you can get from it. They constantly are updating it. Last year, they gave away a million game keys on this thing. Uh, in the past, they've had League of Legends stuff you can get. There's like discounts for things there. There's all sorts of stuff. We're probably going to do some something with them soon on this. But signing up, going to, again, going to Alienware.com slash Travis and signing up for Alienware Arena and just seeing what you, you can get. Uh, it's the type of thing where you can sign up for it check out what's there right now and then uh, let them let I know sometimes you don't want to get the emails but let them email you because uh, they will give you updates on what game keys they're giving away and what stuff they're they're giving away and it's like a, it's a really cool resource they just do this as like a, a marketing effort um, uh, as a way to stay connected with people so I think it's really cool I need to do a better job of promoting it and this is me doing that hopefully so Alienware.com says Travis. I'll put the link in the in the chat right now. There's also going to be in the description of the YouTube channel. Um, and then, of course, stay tuned for more exciting stuff to come from them. All right. And grab the next caller. Uh, I was going to read a sub, but uh, nobody has subbed in a bit. So while Mark is doing that. Oh, Darking, thank you for the 39 months. Thank God I was able to read something. Tim, what is Run It going to be about this week? Run It is going to be an initial like overview MSI preview. Um, just going to look at some of the like, let's put a bunch of teams and players out there. Who's does the most of this and the least of that, and 
and just get a stylistic comparison mostly. Bit of a primer for people to get, yeah, get excited yeah. for. And then I'm sure a high next level week, overview, and then we'll start honing in on more specific stuff a week, week from now once I've had more time to watch bots. Cool. Well, Tom Shu is here. Tom, Tom, you always call, and then here's what happens. You you get your aggressive, your hostile, and then uh, and then I I match that energy, and then what happens is then the people who don't watch every episode and don't realize that that's your shtick, uh, they yell at me for being a dick. So I just wanna I wanna thank you for getting me screamed at in my comments. Where are you calling from? Yeah, it's uh it's no problem at all. But I think at at this point, uh, people kind of know uh, who what what my uh, you know what I you know what I be at. But whatever. Where are you but, uh, calling from? from uh, strange strange city name. Yeah, uh, calling from calling from uh, Washington D.C. Washington D.C. And what do you want to talk about? So I wanted to talk about the uh, the recent situation following the uh, competitive ruling to uh, Solafide Esports and what happened to the their old roster. You know, they ended up not getting paid at all. Uh, for those who really don't have any context on the situation, so I believe early on in the Proving Ground season. Uh, the roster of, uh, I think, what was uh, not Academy team, I think that it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, it was Dokla, Winston, Tuesday, Apollo, and Zazel were approached yep. by Solafide Esports and their owner known as Oddity. I believe he was a, uh, I think he was a, like a finance bro or, or something <laughs> like that. And uh, yeah, and he was apparently asked to, uh, well, apparently offered them, from what I heard, uh, salaries that were above academy level, and of course, I, mean, I heard like a, the rumor was one of their players was at least one of the players was getting paid six figures. Yeah, it uh, was it was it was big money. <laughs> yeah, apparently, I guess he had some kind of plan to make this profitable or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, LCS then, teams aren't profitable, so his plan was already rough. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, so I, whatever he had some kind of plan. Uh, of course, it sounds good, so you know, players obviously go for it. Uh, you know the season goes on, and uh, over the t over time, it becomes apparent that he hasn't paid out a single cent. And now he, you know, once they start demanding answers, and he goes ahead and pieces out. And now this competitive ruling goes down. He's banned indefinitely. Comes out with a statement saying, "Oh, I've had trouble trying to transfer money uh, internationally." Like, bro, are you trying to dodge taxes and transfer that thing from Ireland? And, and now it's just a, a huge mess. And now all the players are out of money. I don't know if we're going to be doing any contract disputes or anything like that, but it's just a, a giant disaster for pretty much everyone involved. And honestly, it, it's you, it, you'd really get very like, frustrated over something that happens like this, but it's, it's really nothing new. Like, if you've looked at... Like the the Challenger series back before you know Academy was Academy, like way back in in 2015. Like this this shit was happening all the time. Like shoutouts to to Sam Matter Gaming for the real OGs. But the but yeah, it, it just it's makes been me wonder. For a while, like, yeah, yeah. Do we need to is, at this point? Do we need to start considering like having stricter regulations for any Academy team that wants to participate? Uh, I mean, any amateur team that wants to participate under the guise of an org, because I know like Riot has been taking some steps in you know certain pieces, like adding the uh, the new contract database to mm -hmm. like protect against poaching and things like that. But I, I really think that uh, at least not paying your players has been like the gold standard so, for what feels like a little while now. So, and oh, can I just keep... yeah, go ahead and wrap it up. Okay, okay, yeah. So I was thinking 
that uh, if we're going to have issues with uh, potentially paying players, like, honestly, running an amateur team really is not that expensive when you think about it. It's what... I think someone ran the numbers a little so while what ago. Did, sorry, really quickly, what's your point? <laughs> I, I just the, the 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 regulation that was the, the regulation. Part. Okay, so should uh, there be more regulation or requirements on amateur teams if they want to be able to compete in these tournaments? Is your t is your take right? Can I finish? I I that's what I'm is that it. Can't, well, well, gravity yes, is the soul of wit, my friend. It yes. I mean, yeah, yes, that, that, was the, that was the take, but I, okay. I didn't finish the whole point. I'm... Should Super Sunshine Fruit Basket Warriors be allowed to compete in amateur? This is the question. So uh, I, I think we got your, your point. I, I, there's a couple things here. One, uh, just to confirm, because uh, Tim, Tim lives in Canada, so he's international. I was I'm able to pay him on a monthly basis. So I just wanted to be put out that you can't actually pay people internationally. Um, and then yeah, I guess so. So the broader question of uh, to Kelsey and Tim, maybe even to Mark, what can Riot do? What should be done to help better protect these players uh, while also making sure that we have you know amateur organizations that that can compete. There's a lot of weird gray area here. Uh, for example, I know that certain players are on the contract database for amounts of money that probably wouldn't hold up in a court if it came contested, you know? Um, the, the, but there's just not money in anim amateur. So what do, you, what do you do? Do you do you tell orgs that they can't come in and pay a, a, an amount of money that they probably won't make a return on anyway to try to compete for, you know, uh, development fees do you tell players that are coming in as a group of friends that they can't play because they don't have you know strict regulations on how their organization should operate right there's a lot of variables and questions that that come in that you have to kind of work with the other thing is is that riot have you know still kept sort of a, a an arms length away from some of the bpos in the proving ground space uh, so, f for example, Riot are not going to necessarily tell Risen like who they can and can't allow to compete within their tournament uh, in the tier two setting, right? So, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens. It's like in an ideal world, uh, would it be great if shit like this didn't happen and there were things that represent that? And it's like, yeah, there's a legal system that should punish these people, and that legal system exists. I don't know if if we should go and say. Riot, you are the ones who need to be in response, responsible for this kind of thing because I feel like making Riot control more and more of the space doesn't necessarily always make everything great, you know? Uh, so that's what kind of you're suggesting. <laughs> Riot shouldn't be able to completely control everything. Uh, I was gonna go. I was gonna go the other direction. I was gonna say Riot should make their own prison. And when you <laughs> sign up to make a part of their ecosystem, whether it's LCS Academy Amateur, you know you have to sign up with this. And if you if you break any of their rules, you go to literal riot prison. Well, okay, here I mean, there's probably that something is, in between here, scale. right? Where like per perhaps let me let me ask you this: for you guys, whenever an amateur team competes in one of these events, do they have to like register their organization with Riot beforehand? Do we know of? I don't think so. 
No, they they don't they don't have to. If, if you want your players on contract database, you have to register. But if you don't, then you don't. Yeah, because I think being that's... in the contract database allows you to uh, take take advantage of the development fees kind of stuff that's been mentioned, like getting compensated if an academy team signs one of your players, stuff like yeah. that. So there are you can you can, you can still you can still get those, but yeah, more guaranteed, but, I think, right? But if your players are better protected, protected from, yeah. po from from poaching. So, so I think I think step <laughs> yeah. one right. could be, and I'm not you know obviously I'm trying to solve this in a second, but you guys tell me if any of this sounds weird. You know, just if you want to compete in any of these things, bl hard blanket, you have to register your organization there, and then. And then at that point in time, Riot's a little bit more involved. They have a little bit more that they can get. And and having a system by which the players are able to immediately go to Riot and say, hey, I was supposed to be paid today, and I have not been paid. And then and that can immediately activate some sort of uh, situation where Riot can start to get involved, involved immediately in being like, and, you know, maybe it's like, okay, you... you didn't get paid for an extra day, some sort of bank error or something like that, you know. But if once you start to trigger too many of these these red flags, your organization is out. The players get the spot in any tournament that they're in, yeah. and you can go fuck yourself. Uh, I, I mean, think, I think I feel like that's sort of a good system. There's a there's a certain amount of systems work that could be done to improve on these things, and I think you know those some of those ideas could definitely work or maybe put the whole thing in. I don't know, do the, put in the Travis Gafford system. But I think on the other side of it, and and I have zero intention of blaming this on the players. I want to make that very clear up front. But there is a certain opportunity for players to recognize situations that might be a little, you know, raise some yellow flags, maybe not even raise red flags, but go, hey, I, you know, this one seems a little too good to be true, right? Tim, anytime and, you have to, any system that puts any faith in players having any kind of like... Well, but see, this is this is part of my like point, right? 20, exactly. Right? This is part of my point. Like you, you would have, a, in general, you'd have a certain expectation on somebody to protect themselves from this situation. Not that they always can, but to a certain reasonable extent. But these are young guys who have not necessarily, they're not the most, you know, worldly experienced people who have been out here doing business and, you know, know the ways that they can get screwed over. So, you know, maybe, and they're also not that many great, like, like agents or representatives like that, or, you know, people who can give legal advice that they might not even know who to go to is to say, Hey, I'm getting offered this. Do you think it makes sense? Or is there anything I actually should be concerned about? Right. There aren't, you know, there, there are some people that, that could help with that in the space, but you know, that that's part of what makes it so awkward is that it's kind of a vulnerable population in a certain, in a certain sense. Right. Well, yeah, so that would be a great overarching organization to actually help guide players through these tumultuous the players associations. Is going to help amateur players who have just? I mean, that I saw some people on Reddit also saying, "Oh, the players association sits up in here." I look. I just I ob obviously I think players association should do more at the LCS and academy level, but like I just don't think with with kind of the awkward pseudo pro player situation that these amateur guys are in. Like I don't even in a world where the the players association was like highly functional, it's hard to imagine them being able to help. You know, these guys are not going to yeah. be playing fees into it or anything like that. Well, the other thing I was going to say too that Kelsey kind of mentioned was like the amounts of money that like you're probably negotiating over in uh, this ecosystem is so minuscule that you're probably not actually going to take anything to actual court. <laughs> like the legal, unless it's like small claims court, maybe I don't know. But like for the most part, like the amount of fees that you'd be paying lawyers and like the amount of time and mental headspace that you go through in an actual like legal battle 
is fucking yeah. nuts. And like realistically, no one's actually going to do that. So like even if you did get a lawyer or like, you know, had a lawyer or right overseeing or people signed up for this different stuff with contracts, like people are still just going to break the rules if they're scumbags. And realistically, like the way that you would punish them is pretty shit. Like it's, it's just not going to happen. It, uh, it would be like suing Twitch for three years and then only getting guess, 21 grand at the end of okay, it. You so know? This is actually kind of weird because since we were talking about like, why are we talking about small claims court when we were, when, uh, you know, Solafide was all the players were talked about, all their rumored salaries were like almost north of a hundred grand. Like, would that not be worth suing over? Uh, honestly, probably not depending on how yeah. expensive the legal defense is, because realistically you're going to be in a battle for two to five years unless they just totally fold and you negotiate out of court because that's honestly what mostly happens people just kind of if part of my french but kind of just pulled the dicks out and start measuring them and like sending documents back and forth prepared by lawyers until someone folds or you start getting in front of a judge and like it's just a total mess as someone i've been in in one of these situations before it's just a total mess It's, it's not worth it Generally, even for upwards of a hundred, like six. And you know what, Mark? We resolved that. Okay, the two of us resolved that. You don't. You're not in that situation anymore. We're fine. Uh, uh, the question does: Does does Oddity even have money that you can go to court with him over? I don't know. Maybe maybe you can get a lawyer to to physically fly to wherever his alleged offshore account is in Ireland. Know. Yeah, and then he doesn't respond to your emails for six months. You know, like this is the kind of stuff you get into with a real legal battle. Is I mean, somebody just... on Twitter said they he dissolved the LLC, right? So if it's like the LLC yeah. went bankrupt and never had any money, then there's no money for the LLC to pay out. And yeah, we're it's not like lawyers you here. But rabbit like... hole that you're never going to really see any returns out of. And so, like, if someone wants to, by all means, make a legit seeming thing, which is easier to do than to actually do it. And then when they when their hand gets caught in the cookie jar, they just say "fuck it" and they're out. You know, like it's hard to really punish someone like that. How, would you, about, how would you feel about an escrow, an escrow system? Sorry, you're suggesting where what the money gets paid to Riot or something? We have, essentially you'd have a portion of their a portion of a player's salary paid out third party to a Riot or paid out to third party, whether it's Riot or someone else. And say if they break that contract, then whatever is left in escrow is immediately paid to the players. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think it's just really tough because I, I assume some of these organizations are running on a very narrow margin. Um, and perhaps they don't have 20 grand sitting in a bank account at the beginning to, like, pit up. You know, uh, I don't know. And to get the players to pay into that, you'd have to have them be in a union that forces them to do it. Because otherwise, good luck. Well, I think he's just talking about just having the play, like, hey, yeah. you want to compete in this. Have the teams force it? Have the teams pay in is almost like a security deposit, right? Like, uh, if you fuck up, we pay this out to your players, and then you can go do something else. So You can get it's banned like, for life. Just, just, yeah. X thousand, just X amount of dollars or a, a certain percentage based on whatever your salary contract, whatever Kelby, your Kelby in chat says he'll yeah, have again, again, like, I feel like a lot of these restrictions would actually be prohibitive to certain orgs that do want to pay their players, right? Because there are definitely orgs that don't pay at all. And there are orgs that only pay like 200 a month and they probably are paying, you know, what they what they can off of their full-time job salary doing something else, you know? Um, so those those types of situations, it's like if you, if you want to pay your players something, right? You're in a position where like now, okay, you've got the, the escrow system and 
but you can't actually afford to do that, so you're just not going to pay them at all. The other the other aspect of that is, is you start to, to get into the question of maybe that's better because then they're not on contract database for like $200, $100 a month. Oh but you never know. <laughs> and I, I agree. I do feel like stuff like that can be worked around, at least on a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, well, I wouldn't say case-by-case, -case, but, you know, up to a, a certain dollar amount. And stuff like that can be, you know, negotiated with or you know we can all get into a room and talk about okay what is the average dollar amount that we're all paying our players and at what point do we need to start putting these systems in place probably to, approaching know, zero like yeah. the, the thing is is that the reason why you could see solafide coming from a mile away was because of how much of an outlier they are you know like it, it's so absurd like barrage one of the the best amateur teams pays zero right um, the, it, there's, there's, it's, there's such a gigantic outlier and there was so many red flags and do I blame the players? No, because you know, if someone's going to say 180, 180,000 or 100,000 or whatever the fuck they're, they're offering, right? Um, 70,000, who knows, right? More you only than really need one month of that to be paid to be worth More it. than an academy <laughs> salary, right? I mean, uh, Solo Feet seems like, oh, go ahead, sorry, Kelsey. More than an academy salary, right? Uh, if, if, if you're going to be offered that you're, and you have a, a contract, your agent signs off on it, X, Y, and Z, you're probably going to go for it, you know? Um, Makes, but, I totally agree. Solofeed seems like the type of org that believed that an NA team would lift the Summoner's Cup within the next two years. They sound like... Do you get that reference? Anybody get that reference? That's a team member reference, just in case. Yes. Uh, all right. I was well, gonna, I was gonna go with they believe that better people make better players. True. That's true. My reference. Uh, okay. So, look, I, interesting conversation, but also we don't need to solve all ever a thing right now. I will. I'll give Tom Shu a lot of credit here in saying that I completely agree that this was incredibly obvious that something like this would happen, and I do hope that Riot. I wish Riot had better plan for a situation like this, but I hope that they do more going forward to solve for this because as somebody who's been, anybody who's been in esports for a long time can tell you that like, if you're, it, it's hard to get, they have a hard enough time getting their LCS teams to pay players. How many teams have they kicked out of the LCS for not paying players? It's actually a significant amount. Uh, any, Winterfo any Winterfox stands? Uh, yeah, well, or tip or... Uh, I don't know, tell them. Anyway, Tom, thank okay. you for calling okay. in. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, so the actual, the uh, League of Legends subreddit, we're actually having a prediction tournament for MSI. So it's a pretty cool way to basically show off your knowledge and, uh, you know, get destroyed by me in terms of being able to show which teams are going to do well and not at MSI, at the MSI this year. Have plenty of fun predictions. Who's going to win? Dan Wanakia, Cloud9. Is it going to be Mad Lions or PSG? And we might even expand this Two uh, different realms. Too uh, bad like, TSM and G2 aren't like, there. Do the... we make LCS? And yeah, I'll save the time. The answer will be yes. But uh, definitely give it a, sh a shot when you uh, uh, get a chance. So check it out. Sounds good. Hey, thanks so much. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Yep. Peace. It's going to be hard to beat Kelsey and me on those predictions because we were both really, really good this week, I know. Um, oh, yeah. The, the, so, we're going to do another finals. break. Mark, you still, you're going to pull one more, right? I hope. Was I? I hope so. Because there's we're, we're gonna no go one else in the over. waiting room, and it's 9 o'clock. I know, I know. But we have to go a little over, because we started a little late, and then we had our 
I mean, we've only we haven't gotten any MSI takes or anything like that, so we've only had four callers. You want the MSI take of C9 is going to win MSI? It'll be a fun one, huh? Is there any good MSI? Here, you figure it out. While I talk about Game Fuel, shout out to Game Fuel, everybody. Thank you so much. So many of you guys have been tweeting at me. Uh, I know I say this all the time, but please continue to do that. It's always really nice. Uh, you can go to Game... Actually, I'm going to put it in the chat. And if you're in the... Uh, if you're in the YouTube right now, if you're in the YouTubes and you're watching the VOD, click on the description below. You can go check it out. Uh, there's a specific link that if you click helps me. Uh, but also if you use code Travis at checkout, you save 5% off, which is fantastic. And uh, there is still that Amazon link for those that, for some, you know, a few of you where you can't get game fuel in your area, you can get it off of Amazon with that link and that also helps me. But I want to help, I want to thank them so much for what they do uh, in supporting the show. Uh, still working on doing some uh, a cool thing with them in the near future. I, I can't I can't talk about it yet, uh, but hopefully a cool little stream that we'll have coming out soon. And uh, do me a favor when you tweet at me to tell me that you got the, got it and you get one of these like cases that has the multiple flavors. Tell me which one you like the most because I'm going to tell you that the honest answer is cherry burst. Um, and if you if you give me a different flavor, then you've you failed the test. Uh, so that's my take on the game feel situation anyway thank you so much game feel for sponsoring hotline link thank you all of you for for grabbing it and uh and by the way still have that fridge in the back it's a little out of focus right now but thank you to game feel for sending me this fridge and making people jealous mark is grabbing our next caller right now uh which i appreciate uh rip ripapa franku thank you for the six months and sparkling llama gave out five community subs a lot of people gifting subs for the first time recently on the stream, and I think it's because tax season has had a bunch of people get their tax refunds. That's my theory. Uh, I need to be more excited about this time every year. Starchar is here. Starchar, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Wayne, Pennsylvania. Wayne, Pennsylvania. I think our second Pennsylvania caller of the night. Somebody, maybe hmm. there's another P. I don't know. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? I think that RNG is going to win MSI, and I think that Xiaohu is going to gap every other top laner that is in MSI. I think I saw Kelsey's face twitch when you said this, so I'm very curious <laughs> to see. Well, here, well, actually, Mark has been kind of quiet on tonight's show. Let me let me ask Mark. Mark, what do you think? I, I don't know how much of these games you've been MSI. Well, I want you to say. Uh, but I think Dom Juan's going to win. I did watch their final. I like Dom Juan. Very good. Thank you. As always, excellent analysis. Uh, Tim, we're gonna we're gonna end with Kelsey because I know Kelsey's gonna, gonna have a lot to say on this topic. Uh, Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I'm just starting to get into my my deep vod review on it. I've you know in the stuff that I have watched of Shahu so far, I've been I've been pretty interested in what I was gonna see because obviously there's such a, a unique story there. But I've been I think he's done some things that like caught my eye. Like oh, that's interesting. That's a little different. Like kind of what I was hoping for, like that he'd play top lane slightly different way. And and I have felt like I've seen that in, in a good way. Um, I think, you know, there are some things about what, the way they play also that make me feel kind of high, high variance, which is maybe a bit of a, a standard LPL take to have if you come in and you're not like, you know, knee deep in the LPL all the time. But I do think that they, they do kind of embody that, that they could just snowball uh, games a lot and if all their plays work out it's just going to be dominant but I think they could also you know get exploited so the 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 biggest non-take take there I I, I think I'm probably going to end up leaning down one but I need to finish my my prep is there is there any 
Will Jahu be featured in the run it this week? Probably. Okay. But I haven't built all the charts yet, so. Well, we'll have we'll hopefully have some more Jahu conversation for you star chart there. All right, Kelsey. Why is RNG winning MSI and upsetting my favorite Sam one? Uh so I actually haven't decided, but I do actually think that RNG have major, major problems. Huge, gigantic, catastrophic, terrifying problems. And I think one of the big <laughs> I like things... You're like, I haven't really decided yet, which makes it sound like this is... But then you're like, but there's yeah. a cataclysmic like, issue. Uh, well, the I team mean, is a, on a fire. Lot teams, a lot of teams a lot of teams have, have problems uh, w- within their play style, and then they, they still win you know, games. It, it happens all the time. So... But I think the, so I will only, I will say that I don't actually favor RNG to win MSI right now. I think the the reason why they can is because I don't think that Xiaohu is the best top laner by metrics of like champion pool specific like wave management or anything like that. What he's really, really good at is he's really good at setting up dive opportunities He's really good at recognizing trading windows, and he's really good at playing like these types of punishing uh, carries. And he's insane at side laning. And this is like the thing that if you if you dig up any kind of vod from me talking about RNG in 2018 or 2017, I talked about how RNG are actually one of the best secretly one of the best side laning teams in the world, and they just never do it because they always play like double tank solo lands and use the eye plays. AD, but but the best the best RNG was 2017, uh, in my opinion, because you had UCI actually playing like the the Boris, you had the side lady solo laners, and so Xiaohu is like demonstrating that he's a very very key part of that, and why that kind of pressure allows them to juggle pressure across the map so very well. Uh, I think that that's one of the things that Damwon actually struggled to play against historically. And by historically, I mean like from Worlds to kind of more recently. So I would say that that is one thing that gives them a benefit, like kind of a benefit. The thing that I think will really destroy RNG though, is their mid-jungle synergy is, is not there. And by that, I mean Cryo's champion pool is going to be terrible for this, this MSI. I think we're going to see a lot more skirmishing mid-jungle duos. We're going to see like a lot more stuff like that. And I think that the Damwon is a team that's going to be way better at that, that time of play. So... That is where, and then Cryon also sucks at side laning, and Gala has a limited champion pool. There's a bunch of stuff, but Shahu's good at side laning. Just don't let him play tanks ever, 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 ever. Do you think? Do you think that? Uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of people are are focusing on RNG and Damwon, but the reigning champion of MSI, people I feel like are not discussing him a lot as a potential winner again of MSI. Who, who, who's Perk, the, Perks, the reigning Perks. champion, uh, returning to defend his title. So, I mean, doesn't that make sense that we would? That's a that's a point, you know. The maybe. only, I mean, the only returning champion. He's talked about swapping to top lane. Maybe we get to see a show who perks off again. Well, he's know? he's talked about that, but he just tweeted Perks. a second ago, or ten minutes ago. I'm gonna make mid great again at MSI. Watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. So I don't, might do versus Kryon. I don't think Kryon's bad. Like I, to, to, to specify, I don't think Kryon's bad, but I think that, you know, when you're in a position where you have to blind Corky, you're probably not doing great. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I am. 
do you think that the previous Mad Lions coach will have caused them so many issues as a team that they will really underperform at uh, MSI? Yeah, I mean, Peter's trash, so there you go. Okay. Left all these <laughs> issues behind. Held him full of bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here are all the things you should do that win LAC and fail at MSI. <laughs> Star Char, what, uh, what do you think of all this? Um, I, I think that Kelsey has some extremely good points there. Uh, yeah, I I do think Jahu will gap everybody, but RNG does have a lot of weaknesses that Damwon could also exploit. Just because like Damwon is by far probably the best team fighting team in MSI, but I, I still I, I have faith in LPL. I think that they can pull it off. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it should be exciting. I'm excited about it. I will say... To, to clarify, just in case people take me seriously, Peter Dunn is not a trash coach. There you go. I what? Just, Why are you going to clarify? <laughs> I'm trying to, we're trying to spark controversy. I need clips from this show to put on my TikTok that will go viral. And if you just undermine it, then it's not, it's not great. Uh, by the way, shout out to Riot. Actually, shout out to the fucking Reddit thread today. Where the EU people were like, oh man, I hate that it's, once again, it's not a good time zone for, or time for Riot, or for EU fans or something. It's something like 2 in the afternoon there or something, I forget. Uh, but it's like 6 a.m. here. And I don't, uh, Mark and I are going to be up so early. Uh, and then we have to prep for a hot tub stream after our post, post-match post hot tub stream. Can we actually get a hot tub? I was just talking about that. And I, we need to find somebody who has a backyard where we could, we could, I, I actually think it would be hilarious to do a hot tub recap every day after. I'll message MSI. Josh Kim and see if he's still living at that hotshot house. I know they had a pool back there. They might've had a hot tub. Do you Wait, guys hot need shot? like a social distance hot tub? Like, do you need two hot tubs? Well, we're, that... we're, we'll be vaccinated by then, so I think... My, my second yeah, have you yeah. not seen the Gamer Doc tweets about how you shouldn't just take the vaccine for granted and you need to still be careful? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying. My my point is, <laughs> I want to do hot tub post-MSI streams with, with Mark and... Uh, and if we can figure out a way to do this, then I think that would be... And it'd be, be much better fun. than Travis and I filling up two separate inflatable tubs in our apartments if we can get a real hot tub. Yes. Anyway, that, sounds an inflatable? that sounds pretty funny to me, actually. And you know, I just, just I guess, have a terrible sense of humor. Because you <laughs> might only have a shower, not a bathtub. But I have a bathtub, but you need to be able to, like, splash around a little bit, you know? I don't I don't have a bathtub. Uh, I just... I do like the idea of... of Kobe coming back from casting or I don't know what their setup is going to be. Maybe he's in his room and walking out and there's just me in the living room sitting in a hot, in a, in a kiddie pool. Uh, Star Char, <laughs> thank you for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we say goodbye? Uh, yeah. Shouts to Kelsey stream. Uh, she has a lot of live viewing for LPL and if you want a good perspective on LPL, it's a good stream to watch. Uh, shouts to Oracle's Elixir and Tim. I love the resources that he has for League of Legends statistics there. Um, Shouts Alienware and GameFuel, of course, because without them, the show wouldn't be as great as it is. Thank you so much for the call. Really appreciate it. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So that's the show. First off, shout out to Riot. It's been about seven weeks since they have refused to say anything about the import rule conversation. And uh, this is me keeping 
than <laughs> honest because uh, I forgot to say at the start of the show like I do. Um, we're coming up on two months though, so excited for that. Uh, go ahead, let's go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Uh, Mark, what do you got? What kind of shouts do you have? Uh, none, none at all. Uh, Tim, I have a shout out to all of Mark's shout outs, uh, and also Oracle's Elixir. And check out the Run It series. MSI stuff starts this week. Yeah, it's, it should be good. Uh, Kelsey? Uh, shout out to, to Evil Geniuses for paying my salary. It's very <laughs> appreciated. And then uh, also shout out to Proving Grounds. And also shout out to EG having two teams in the top six. Because results-based analysis. It's not about... <laughs> Uh, performance win. there so i don't in care. fact we didn't think, win the whole thing so it's fine you know? i think if i think it's a failure to be in the top six you guys are not experimenting Same. and pushing yourself yourself enough exactly we're not developing players hard who, who got dead last who got dead I mean, last i mean it depends on whether or not you're you're counting like the d3 teams who are in risen and stuff like that Whatever the whoever those teams are at the bottom, those are the ones that are doing. Shout out Spawn for TLA being at the bottom oh, yeah. after uh, Actually, a promising end to the, the regular. Yeah, but you know that's all because Armeo had to play in the finals. So. Actually, TLA won. It it it's true. Like they they placed last and they actually won in the end. True. Holy shit! Uh, shout, shout out, out people who play, pay people, and also to Five Fire's dad. Great guy. Yeah. Anyway, there, this has been hotline. Quality parents out there. Five Fire's dad, APA's mom, you know, all good stuff. Anyway, this has been Hotline League episode 178. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks to all of our guests this weekend, uh, or this call. This What? This episode. I need to get back into stuff. Go follow me on TikTok. I'm at Travis Gafford. That's where I will be. Um, we're canceling this Twitch channel and, this, and the YouTube channel. Uh, you will only be able to watch this show exclusively on TikTok, so go subscribe there so you don't miss any more episodes. Uh, this has been Hotline League episode 170.